Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line for you. And it is Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. So enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. want to welcome a uh, new radio station to our lineup of wonderful affiliates. Uh, it's WIMS AM 1420, operating in Michigan City, Indiana. Sort of almost the Illinois, very close to Chicago. Uh, apparently, they've got lots of listeners. I was on their morning show uh, this morning, and... Rick, the general manager, was bragging about how uh, how many listeners they have. So inevitably, I'm sure we'll hear from somebody Great. in Michigan City tonight. You're Way welcome to, to go, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is going to be a show that you probably have never heard anything quite like before. Yeah, I suspect that uh, you know we have political opinions that are different than what's out there. We aren't uh, Air America liberal Democrats, and we aren't. Um, Rush Limbaugh Republicans. But it's also not a political show, necessarily. I, I happen to consider myself fairly apolitical. I, I have a, a quite a distaste towards politics. I don't like it at all, and I, I wish it would just go away tomorrow, but unfortunately it's not, and so therefore... More philosophical, in a way? Yeah, well, yeah. it's an issues-oriented show, largely. Um, but Sure, and those issues can be anything, but from uh, political people, issues to personal problems or whatever. Politicians talk about issues, and we talk about the issues, and we talk about the politicians and their influence on the issues. So, I mean, a lot of people would call it political talk, but you're not going to hear a bunch of name-dropping here. We don't. Yeah, because well, when you say we talk about the politicians, I don't think we really talk about the politicians. We talk, talk about, about them in policy, general. You talk about events. You talk about what really matters to people in their lives for their freedom, their individual liberty. Right. Well, and to that end, there is one politician that we do tend to talk about these days, and that's Ron Paul. So inevitably, you'll be hearing a few things about him as you uh, continue to tune into the program. Uh, and and this goes to anybody tuning in for the first time here tonight. Eventually, we're probably going to offend you. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. you know, we could start out, we can pick any old topic, and you might agree with us, and there's a good chance you will, uh, but eventually we will get to something that just really tees you off. Mm-hmm. In which case, don't hesitate to pick up the phone and tell us how we're wrong at 800-259-9231. And We've been a, wrong before. As offensive as it is, um, you'll find out that we're pretty darn consistent on this show. Uh, we don't right. we, we, we don't uh, slip to one side of an issue and the other side like the conservatives and Democrats do. They they flip flop. Well, there's, there are no marching orders here. There's no right. There's no talking points. There's no political party allegiance uh, or anything like that. N- none of us are members. I don't think of any political party. No. As a matter of fact, no. I am a, a card carrying member of the or a dues paid oh, member actually, of true. the Republican Liberty Caucus. But that doesn't mean you mem- you're a member of the party. No, I'm I'm um, an undeclared uh, voter status in New Hampshire. Well, there's different th- there's different things, Mark. You can be you can be a registered Republican, mm-hmm. and, then and, you, not. and you're not, uh, or you can be the next step, which is a actual party member, where you you know you pay dues or whatever, and you've you know signed on, you've gone to meetings mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And you, I, I, you, I have to say, uh, in that in that context, I am a dues paying member of the New Hampshire Libertarian Party. Are you really? Yes, indeed. Th- does the New Hampshire Libertarian Party even exist? 
Yeah, yeah, it does, but they can't get ballot status because if they the Republicans have stacked it against them, they had a gubernatorial candidate a number of years ago who did very, very well, and the next year the Republicans moved to increase the number of votes that you had to have gotten in the prior election in order to get on the ballot for the general election. Mm. What a surprise, because they're always worried that the Republican Party will have votes siphoned off to disenfranchise people who will go out to the Libertarian Party, which really right. does hold to its principles. Well, it it did. And, and, yeah. <laughs> yes. Once upon I, a time, it did. Yes. I used to Good be a little. Point. I used to be heavily involved in the Libertarian Party, and and one of the reasons why I no longer am is simply because they got away from their principles. Yeah. Uh, but but we all uh, we like the idea of principle on this show, and of course you'll hear more about that as as time goes on. And we don't agree about ev- on everything either. No, you'll definitely we'll definitely get into some little tissies on air as well. Uh, but we love to hear from you. The show is called Free Talk Live because you're encouraged to participate. Pick up the phones at 800-259 and uh, that's 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line and tell us what you think. You know, if there's something that's just been grating at you, something that you've just got to get off your chest, an issue you want to talk about, but you know you don't feel comfortable talking to your coworkers, or you just, for whatever reason, you don't want to talk to your family about it, here we are, okay? You so, got an axe to grind, you got an yeah. agenda to push? Use us, okay? 800-259-9231. And uh, to start things out here tonight, give you a little taste for the attitude of the show. It, uh, it tends to be a little cynical, a little jaded, especially towards... Especially towards a lot of institutions that people take for granted, like the police. From New York, the Associated Press reporting, Be careful what you pick up in the subway. It could lead to your arrest. People pick up things in a subway? Strap hanger, like a bad idea in general. Strap hanger Carlos Alayo said he learned that lesson when he picked up what he thought was a derelict wallet laying on a subway platform bench. He said he intended to find its owner and return it. But as he went to get on the G train, he said he was stopped by the police. The uh, the 32-year-old had been ensnared in Operation Lucky Bag, an initiative from the New York City Police Department to lay decoys, shopping bags, purses, backpacks, or wallets around the subway system under the watchful gaze of officers who wait to see what passersby will do. The decoys often contain real credit cards issued under pseudonyms to the police department. Theft of a credit card is grand larceny, felony that could lead to jail time. Police said that Operation Lucky Bag led to 101 arrests last year. 101 arrests? Now, I presume that means that they were waiting until the person actually went and tried to use the charge card some way, uh, you know, at some location, therefore actually engaging in some sort of fraudulent activity. Uh, that's again, an assumption that you're making. It doesn't sound like this man did, right? Well, no, it didn't. Case? And we'll hmm. find out that he wasn't arrested, which, ah. is, which is weird, because if they were going to wait until someone uses the charge card, why would they approach the guy in advance of his opportunity right. to go out and steal? Right. So anyway, uh, they arrested 101 people last year. Those individuals had a combined total of 761 prior arrests, according to spokesbureaucrat Paul Brown. <laughs> he said a person who takes or finds property which is lost or mislaid. Now, I love this. This is fascinating to me. If you take property lost or mislaid, you have a legal obligation to make efforts to return the property to its owner. So forget about finders keepers. Apparently, by picking up someone else's property, now you have an obligation to return it to them. Wow, that would would be an interesting principle to apply to police once they confiscate people's property after bad drug arrests. Mm. Hmm. 
Well, you know the the, uh, the 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 real world rules don't apply to the police. They have their own set of rules that they have yes. to uh, I, abide by. I think that it's, people should return wallets. If oh, they, I agree. If they find them, and I think that's the right thing to do. Um, what. It, what would bother me is if there's some prescribed method that you have to go about it. If, for instance, um, you know they they want you to return the wallet to the subway uh, kiosk or whatever. If if that's the rule, then that's not really fair because I wouldn't give uh, the wallet to a uh, subway some, clerk, some bureaucrat in uh, oh, some boy. kiosk somewhere, and and just have the reasonable uh, you know feel like it's a reasonable expe- expe- um, expectation that this thing is going to show up where it belongs. Yeah, how trustworthy are they? I would try to find the person myself. Oh, what do you mean? They're As union fact, members. Of course, you can trust them. <laughs> I did once. It was. It's been a couple of years ago, but I found some guy's wallet, and I, uh, I, he, his number was in it or something like that. I called him. I told him I had his wallet. I met him at a Starbucks and gave it back to him. He bought me a coffee. It was very nice. <laughs> so I agree with you, Mark, that if you find something that another person has lost and, it, and you can identify who the person is, then certainly the right thing to do is to give it back to that person. What I disagree with is the idea that one has some sort of legal obligation simply by picking up a piece of lost property to go out and find the owner, especially in the case that you couldn't, you can't find the owner. I mean, th- these guys are laying shopping bags. Right. Now, uh, the, a shopping bag doesn't make any sense to me at all. How are you going to find the owner of a shopping bag? You can't. See, this is point. what they're turning this into is a legal obligation to give the stuff to the subway to the police. Uh, right. clerk. And I yeah. don't feel like that is an obligation at all. I mean, there's... I, I, it, well, <laughs> See, now, the the term legal obligation, I don't really know what it means. I'm not a lawyer. But I know what the word obligation means. And that means that there has to be some sort of an agreement. You know, in order to be obligated to do something, you have to have agreed to do that. And that's, that's the way we look at it, because right. we believe in freedom and individual choice. Right. But I never agreed to return the shopping bag that I picked up in the subway. When I bought the ticket, was there something there that said that I agreed to, you know, hereby pick up and return any lost property that I find? I don't think so. I, you know, I don't feel, uh, I wouldn't feel bad if somebody got in, um, in some kind of legal trouble for not returning a wallet that they found with money in it, but I, w- um, I don't know how the police would enforce that. More on the way here, 800-259-9231. Your thoughts and whatever you want to talk about. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up anything toll free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. This, uh, again, that SACL CAI toll free line. So join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Features there we give away, including the archive. So if you're one of our newer listeners there, uh, listening on WIMS AM 1420 in, Michigan, in the Michigan City area, you've missed a whole bunch of shows. And we've got an entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. So head over there, freetalklive.com. Movies, lingerie, and marital aids. AdamEve.com has got a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com slash talk and get 50% off of one item. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. That's 50% off at AdamEve.com slash talk. Now, there's another angle to this story that I wanted to talk about before we move on. Uh, this AP story out of New York City that the... NYPD apparently is spending time dropping things around the subway. Shopping bags, purses, backpacks, or wallets. In many cases, uh, these these decoys, it says they often contain. So that tells me that they don't always contain these things. They often contain real credit cards issued under pseudonyms to the police department. 
So what they're trying to do is to get criminal types to pick up these missing bags, that sort of thing, these bags just sitting there, or wallets, pick them up and then take them somewhere and try to use the credit card. Well, that's what we think they're trying to do, because the guy that the, they use for the, uh, the, the article here, Carlos Alayo, picked up one of these wallets laying on a platform bench. He then attempted to board one of the trains when police stopped him. Now, it doesn't really go into details of what, as far as what they told this man, but we do know that he was not arrested or charged. So perhaps they were just doing it as one of those customer service things. We're just trying to do outreach to let everybody know to be a good Samaritan, return this to the, you know, the subway lost and found department or something like that. That's, that's what I'm extrapolating from this situation. But my question here is, is there anyone who really thinks that this is something the police should be spending their time on? Yeah, that immediately pops into your mind. And uh, in my mind, the next uh, step in the process is, well, okay, maybe I should take myself and put it in the situation, the, the, put, it, put it in the mind of one of those people in the subway system where they're worried about people pilfering and stealing and things like that. So by having the cops do this, does that tell the bad guys out there, don't do it at any time because the cops are out there to try to sting you on this. They're trying to get you, so it will reduce the amount of times that this happens. The propensity for it happening, the possibility of happening, will decrease. Uh, frankly, I think that's highly unlikely. Yeah, it's I, absurd. Yeah. The, the real professionals, as far as stealing private information and that sort of thing, they've got a little bit more, uh, I don't know, professional way to get their hands on that info. Uh, for instance, pickpockets. You know, it'd be a lot easier to actually pick a wallet out of someone's pocket, then you'll know. Because if the, the bad guys read an article like this and they start hearing rumors that the cops are setting them up, basically, then they'll remember that, well, I don't want to pick up a wallet that's just laying on a bench. I'll just pick it out of somebody's back pocket. Therefore, I know it's an actual person, and uh, it's, I'm probably I'm much much less likely going to be set up in that particular case. I don't think they're trying to get the professionals here. I think they're trying to get the uh, the, the the what they call honest thieves, um, mm-hmm. the people that would be you know borderline, the people that would never ever ever take uh, money out of somebody's uh, you know take a wallet out of somebody's back pocket, but might but they would run a credit card charge on someone else's well card? you know they, they yes yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I really do think that there's people on the border there. Um, I, I it's it's my opinion that uh, you don't want to test whether or not people are thieves because I think that most people are thieves given the right um, circumstances. I think that they'll take something that's not theirs given the right circumstances. I won't steal ten dollars from you, but don't try me with ten million. Yeah, this is an interesting situation of applying your mind to try to consider how they best use utilize their time. Uh, and and if we are going to believe that, if, if people believe that there is a legitimate function for government to try to protect people and their property from encroachments by others, by threats, for, for stealing, things like that, then we say, okay, then the government is given this power, which I don't accept, uh, but those people who do believe in, in the, the state pr- protecting people from others, uh, they will say, okay, then there is a legitimate consideration that maybe this is a way to try to fight crime. Um, I don't know. Are there other things that they could do that would take precedent that might fight crime better? Perhaps. I think so. 
Perhaps, I mean, absolutely. So. Yeah. There are real crimes that happen in subways, muggings and beatings and that sort of thing. Uh, this is, and as you say, Mark, they're really only able to target the sort of non-criminal thieves, right? The ones that are, oh, look, there's a wallet, I'll take that. But they wouldn't actually go through any more steps than than just picking something up that was on the ground. These are the least, I mean, as far as on the scale of criminals, these are the ones you don't really have to be concerned about. But here's, my problem is, is that um, the way that it causes people to interact with the police. My problem is, is that they put a wallet down there and this gentleman um, picked it up, mm-hmm. s- claiming that he intended to return it to its owner, and I have no reason to believe otherwise. He was never given the opportunity to prove what he was going and to do. And then the police walk up to him and take the wallet back, um, you know, and, and claim and tell him to be a good little Samaritan or whatever. I don't look, I'm not looking for that from my public servants. I'm not paying them to do that. I'm not paying them to do outreach with um, fake wallets. Now, if they want to do stings and put credit cards out there, and then if somebody uses a credit card that doesn't have their name on it, as far as I'm concerned, they've committed fraud. Right, that's, that's, that's a real it. crime. Absolutely. That's a crime. Right. But um, if, if if they're bothering people by putting these wallets out there and the people aren't doing what they want them to do with it, this isn't some kind of weird treasure hunt that they get to, to play, and they don't, they don't get to play God. I'm not necessarily... I am not going to take that wallet back to the subway kiosk. I'm going to contact that person, and I'm going to try to get that wallet to them, whether I send it to them in the mail or what. Well, I think another essential question here is, has a crime been committed? And and, no. and that, that question is not, no, certainly not. No one has had his property taken. The police set it up, and this goes towards other types of stings. How do we th- what what sort of consideration do we give to other kinds of stings to be they for uh, prostitution, which is something that I believe should be legal, uh, whether it be for other things that we find morally reprehensible, like uh, child prostitution or, or something like that. Uh, or child pornography. Um, if you have these people who are online posing as kids, but no actual child is directly harmed. Has there been a crime that has taken place? There is certainly intent. Right. It's a thought crime. Well, yeah, and that's a very tricky thing to to think about when you're talking about government protection services. You know, that's why you, I think it should be private. Since you bring that up as an aside, uh, yeah. a few days ago on the show we were talking about this. Uh, there's this new piece of legislation that the House apparently passed. It's now going to the Senate, and it has to do with the Internet um, oh, yeah. and child pornography. Mm-hmm. And essentially what they're trying to do is expand the definition of child pornography to include pictures and paintings, (laughs) you know, computer graphics, basically, uh, that don't actually have anything to do with actually harming a real child. Total thought crime. You know, uh, they tried this once before, and it was struck down by the Supreme Court. The Children's Internet, Internet, there there were two different bills, the Children's Internet Protection Act and the Children's Pornography Protection Act, and one of them would have had uh, federal, made it a federal crime to traffic in virtual images of child sex, anything right. like that, which, of course, there is no victim. The whole point behind the legislation on a federal level is because it's cross-state border. If you've got a kid involved, a real kid, it's cross-state border crime, and that ref- that is something the federal government can get involved with constitutionally. This is true. Yeah. 800-259-9231. Mark, I know you were trying to break in there. We'll get back to you and your calls as well. 800-259-9231. And the New York Civil Liberties Union is saying that this new decoy ca- uh, tactic in the subways could actually deter people from being good Samaritans. More on the way. This is your show, Free Talk Live. It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message, paid for by Phillies 2008. 
Talks Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there, we give away. So enjoy those on us, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens and dozens of ladies who have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. Now, again, we get some newer listeners on board tonight with us in Michigan City, uh, Indiana. want to, uh, once again, welcome them on and explain that this really is the show about anything. So we've been talking for the first half hour of the show about the police and putting down wallets as uh, decoys and that sort of thing. Uh, but we're going to go to the phones now and talk to someone that doesn't want to even talk about that. Because, again, you can completely bring up anything you want, anytime. Uh, let's talk to Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Guard and Mark. Yeah, hi, hon. I heard you talking earlier about, you know, World War Two, and not you were on this show. No, no, not today. Yeah. We weren't listening anyway, to you were show. talking about, you know, why this happened over there uh, with Ferdinand. See, he was the heir to David, and David told, or God told David, that none of his sons shall ever be taken off their throne. Are you what? talking about King David? Yeah. And so Ferdinand. Um, well, he was, yeah, he was ascended to the throne. Okay. 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 And it says right here, before biblically nearing the World Wars, a brief outline of how World War I started is necessary. It started in 1914. It was all the Serbian assassination of Austrian Archduke Francis Ferdinand. All right. What's your point, Paula? The throne. So, so anyway, what's this mean the to thing us? is, now the Holocaust, the reason the Holocaust happened mm-hmm. is because the Jews and the Soviets got involved, and they were involved with taking him off the throne. And so this so is why the Holocaust happened. God wiped out the Jews and the Soviets for trying to take uh, Archduke Ferdinand off okay, the throne? Okay, let me explain. It says, I just responsibly deposing the, the Wittelbach dynasty in Bavaria option. Explanation for Hosea 510. This is all in the Bible. I this am is, totally I'm lost. I'm feeling very point. uncomfortable and dirty. of the princes of Judah, which see all of David's sons are the princes of Judah. No, are you reading Bible quotes again? No, no. He's no, just, this just is coming out of my book from the House of David, my family book from the House of David. So okay. Is that like your little personal Bible? No, this is the book on our on our family and our whole genealogy and everything. So, who's um, the who um, is the descendant of Ferdinand that's on the throne now? He Paul? was a descendant of David. He's no, no, no I'm David just wondering uh, who is uh, descendants of uh, David that are on the throne now. I mean, uh, uh, your president for one. Okay. Okay. Now the rest he's not of the my country, president. They, he's not on the throne. They they had lost their rule because they had all been taken off their throne. Matter of fact, World War II, the same thing happened again. What happened? And this is this was a battle of Gad or the tribes of Judah, which are the children of of Jacob. Wait a minute, okay? are you telling me? Well, hold on, let me see if I've got you straight here, because you've you've just delivered a whole lot of information in like uh-huh. less than a minute. Uh, are you saying that Hitler was putting Jewish okay. people in gas chambers because he had some issue with uh, the Archduke uh, Ferdinand? Let me explain. I just tried to tell you about this. Okay, you are not paying uh, attention. This was to in the Bible that. Um, uh, <laughs> The Jewish Holocaust happened because of what happened to the the, the line of Judah. You're telling me that the, the Holocaust is in the Bible? Man, yes. that book's got it all, doesn't it, Mark? It's just amazing. It's, got, it's, it's in Hosea 5.10. There you go. Okay. It now, says, hold on. Just, now, wait a minute. Now, this is all very fascinating, all this history. But you've called in before, Paula, to say mm-hmm. that the Bible is like this predictive sort of a book, sort of like Nostradamus, yes, which, is, of course, yeah. he's full of, best, you know, full of it, too. As a matter of fact, he said our war. Yeah, he yeah. Said, all, all right. War so here's my a, question. Paula, 
Uh-huh. What's the next prediction? What is coming next? Since you okay. know the Bible uh, uh, I, so well. Okay, let me tell you. Friday night, one of the uh, things happened that was in Jeremiah 34. No, 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 no. no, no, no. What's what's coming? Coming? Wait a minute. Let me explain next? what's happening, okay? All okay. right. Let me explain. Is what's happening is that, see, we are the, we are the true house of Israel, okay? Who's we? All, all of our presents have been from the house of David except for four. Okay. accident but anyway the thing is is that the jews have been trying to take down the house of david and israel from the very beginning and the thing is this is what's happening and now friday night it came across the year from europe everybody has washed their hands of us mm. they said we're a minister world peace and so this is exactly what jeremiah thirty fourteen said this is going to happen all right so what's going to be a minister world peace yeah, they say we're a menace to world peace. Okay. Yeah. They're right. They would be right about that. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah. If any country is a menace to the peace of the world, it certainly is America. You're right on well, that stand. Well, but right what's now, next, Paula? What is, is the next thing that's going to happen? Our corruption. This is what's happening. But what's He's punishing us? Ian, Ian is still waiting for a response See, there, Paula. Do you know what's going to happen next? I mean, right. it's, okay, just told, now we're supposed to go to go back to Israel. It's uh-huh. really okay. easy to under, to look at some look book. Look in the Bible; it'll tell you. No, no, no he sorry. wants you to read Jeremiah thirty. It has no, all about nine okay. eleven. Mark, you've read it plenty of times, and that's enough. I didn't uh, get anything about nine eleven out of read it. Look, not, Paula, read Jeremiah thirty from the very beginning. I just want to know one thing. Will this okay. will the chapter you're talking about Jeremiah whatever Jeremiah 30 will it tell me what's coming next Yes it's telling us that the next we are to go back to Israel Who's go back we? We but the, I like we living true. in New Hampshire but I've already I'm been sorry. to Israel We are the true Israelites and we're supposed to go back there I'm an okay, Israelite. Wait a minute. How big is Israel? I mean, I understand. I know that's what's really got me. I mean, I mean, all these countries—America, Britain, Ireland, Scotland, Germany, France, all the Nordic countries, and Spain—were all one family. Am I going to have to go and steal Jesus' credit card in order to get a flight to Israel? Because I don't know if I can afford it. That sounds expensive. Wait, wait. God says He's going to bless us and all that. How will but, that work? Huh? What? How will I get from here to Israel, Paula? <sighs> I don't know. Uh, and I I'm know an atheist, to too. Does that mean I, I that. won't get included? Uh, they're going to exclude me, aren't they? Okay, now listen to what he says, okay, in, in, in verse no. 18. No, he please. Says, but says the Lord, I when I bring it. you home. Paula, if you again, keep doing I'm going to drop the call. <laughs> you don't want to get dropped, I'm trying to tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> now, wait, you, what I need to understand is what to do as an atheist here. You're telling me everyone's going to go back to Israel. They're going to leave me We're, all alone here in New Hampshire. What's going to happen to me, Paula? You'd be That's like Will Smith I, and I, I am legend. Know. All man. I know I is that we're supposed to go back home. Okay? And right. it's right here in verse 18 if you'll read it. There you I'll go. tell you, if you go to the Middle East, go to Israel because it beats the hell out of all, all the rest of those right, countries. Let over me there. read you this. Nah, and you'll maybe understand. some other time. Thanks for the Thank call. 800 259 9231. She is awesome. I love her calls. Oh, <laughs> I have no idea what she was talking about. Oh, we got to put like a best of CD out. That was right. That is good stuff. Oh, good my. Uh, you know, people always beat. want us to do some sort of best of thing, and I could oh. never. I don't know what the best segments of Free Talk Live are. I mean, I take some and I turn them into promos, like these little clips uh, for our radio stations, but it would be a nightmare for me to have to go back through all the archives and, okay, this was the best yep. show and this that was would the be, best show. That would definitely be the job for somebody who was paid to do it, not yeah. for somebody like you who's totally emotionally invested in the show. Yeah, right. To you, you know, it would, I, I can see it would be very difficult, but um, if you if you paid somebody to do to put together a best of show, they could do it. Oh, I, yeah, I've always encouraged the listeners that have suggested, hey, why don't you guys get a best? Up CD and sell it. Well, I said, well, why don't you 
go and put your own best uh, best of CD together because what and you then give think it to us, the, we'll give you half. Well, but <laughs> you think is the best of Free Talk Live may be different from what Somebody the next else. person thinks is the best of Free Talk Live. Yeah. So there there would never be any way to uh, to appease everyone in that fashion. So I think that maybe everybody that wants a best of CD should just make their own and then go put it up on the Free Talk Live wiki for anybody to download. Mm. That'd probably be the best. I think way Paula to do it. will appear many times. I don't know. <laughs> that, gets, that's got to go in right there. She's hit and miss, though. You know? yeah. Okay, yeah, good point, good point. Uh, all right, 800-259-9231. A little bit more uh, in regards to the police. This one's from the United Kingdom, the Tuesday Metro reporting. When a police car swerved off the road and ran over Daniel Horn's foot, he thought he was owed an apology. Ouch. But if you know anything about the police, they don't like to apologize for mistakes. Instead, though, the police went one further. Arrested him. No, no. He was landed with an 80-pound fine for denting the police car. <laughs> Mr. Horn, kidding me. who's 28, said he was speechless when the police officer who had been at the wheel wrote in the fine notice, you ran into the near side front wing of a marked police vehicle causing a dent. He said, I was in agony with my foot broken in bits, and I ended up being <laughs> fined for my body damaging the police car. The businessman was on his way home, uh, home from a night out with friends when he was rammed from behind, knocked over, and had his foot crushed under the wheels of a patrol car. The group had pulled over when their own car had a flat tire, leaving the, vi- uh, leaving the vehicle with hazard warning lights flashing to walk to the nearest village to find help. But a passerby thought they were dumping the car and called the police. Mr. Horn said, I was just walking along the pavement and heard the police car siren coming behind us. The next thing I knew was that the police car came onto the pavement to stop us. It hit my right leg, and I fell over with my foot being crushed under the front wheel. Mr. Horn said the police soon accepted they'd done nothing wrong, and he was driven to the hospital after the accident in uh, South Wales. With a ticket. Yeah, for with a ticket 80, for 80, 80 pounds. 80 pounds. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us. On our website, freetalklive.com, the features for free. So enjoy those. If you like the show, then go and adorn yourself with all kinds of Free Talk Live gear. Just head over to store.freetalklive.com, and you'll see we have all kinds of all kinds of great things there for you, including uh, T-shirts and hoodies and hats and uh, even DVD classic archive collector sets. Now, you know we have the last year's worth of the show on the front page of the website, and we give those away for free. But if you really want to go back, I'm talking five years back, back to the very beginning of Free Talk Live. We have seasons one and two in their entirety uh, available at the Free Talk Live store, and the price is wow. right. That's they're, cool. Yeah, they're MP3, very high-quality MP3s, uh, higher quality than we ever put online for download. So the, the highest-quality archives you can get at Free Talk Live on DVD collector sets. So head over to store.freetalklive.com, and you can order that. And do you have more debt than you can pay? You don't have to file bankruptcy. You can pay pennies on the dollar, and your credit doesn't have to take a hit. It's a 100% legal, 100% ethical program that will show you how to get out of debt in 90 minutes. Go to outin90.com. That's outin90.com. We go to Brian, listening in Michigan City, the very first caller ever from WIMS land. Hey, Brian, you're on the air on Free Talk Live. How are you doing? First time listener, first time caller. Excellent. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, great to welcome to uh, Michigan City, Indiana. It's good. We need some more good talk radio uh, in, in the area. It's a pleasure to be there, sir. What's on your mind? Uh, listen, I was wondering if you were found anything about uh, the Reverend L. Sharpton, how uh, 
today he came out in Chicago and said that he is going against the Chicago bid for the Olympics because of police brutality and uh, outstanding police brutality cases against uh, the African-American, uh, so, certain African-American people in the area. Al has um, gone from New York City to, um, to Jesse Jackson's hometown. Yes. He's, he's, he, you know, this, there's going to be a turf war. <laughs> These two guys are going to whip out knives on each other. I, say, I mean, when, when, is, when is this guy's 15 minutes of fame going to be up? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you yeah, know, really. he, keeps on, he keeps on doing it. He's got a talk show now, a radio talk show now, too. Uh, and, and, geez, I mean, and, 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 you know, the media just is cool. I mean, they, they throw it out there like every little thing is does. I mean, Chicago's working really hard to get this Olympics, and it's, it's going to be hard enough for them to get it. You know, and well, do you think there's any validity to his claim? And having him come out and say this, where could you know, like a construction business or something like that, and have him negatively, uh, you know, be against having a major a construction uh, type situation come down. You know, I mean, well, I you know, mean, I'm really if, uh, ticked off. If his if his point of objection is police brutality against black people, why, uh, you know, why is he being, why is he focusing only on that? I mean, the police are brutal against whites and Hispanics too. Exactly. Uh, and in any city in this country, if you want police brutality, you don't have to go yeah. to just Chicago. Go to any metro in America, and you'll exactly. find that in America. So the objection that he's uh, he's proffering is pretty absurd. Well, Al's Al's an expert at Finding the limelight and running into it. Absolutely. So, you know, he's he sees the, he he's sees all, that he's all about being on, on on in front of a camera. Whatever. Well, I mean, even even today, uh, they were talking with somebody else from the NAACP or something, and he was right there, right behind, right standing right behind him, looking at the camera. I think there's a factor there, Mark, but I think also there's a certain you know when you're doing news and you're putting together these these shows like on Fox and MSN and all those, and you're looking for a guest, then there's certain go-to people that you have, right? And so he's managed to position himself as, as one of those people. I'm a black expert. I don't know. It's like... Like, I've got a, this list um, behind the scenes here at Free Talk Live that's just loaded with uh, program directors from radio stations across the country. And if I want to get that, if I want to get the word out, I just send it out to them. And inevitably, somebody's going to respond, or I'm going to get a little bit of attention as a result of that. So he's probably got a similar press release list that uh, he's sort of built over all these years of all his media contacts. He just sends out a press release talking about how he's upset and, you know, he's outraged at whatever fill in the blank. And inevitably, someone's going to call him back. Actually, my question, or another question I have is, who made him the the spokesperson of the minorities of Chicago, Illinois? I, you know, who who made him the spokesperson to say that? Well, we're we're going to boycott the Olympics. You know, yeah, really. you know that'd who be makes, like saying really? that, that'd be like saying we all know that Jesse Jackson is the spokesperson for the uh, minorities in Chicago, well, Illinois. Give him a right too. You know? I think <laughs> that, get passing out those uh, the he passing out the cheeseburgers to the homeless people back in the eighties that they all threw in the garbage. Well, I he's think, particularly yeah. good as a spokesman for the Jewish minorities too. He loves that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it'd be very interesting and instructive to actually have a poll done of black Americans, maybe urban black Americans, and ask them, is Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton your spokesperson? I guarantee it's probably nine out of ten people would say, no way in hell. Who the hell? Yeah. Who are they? And I think you can probably rest assured pretty much every time that Al gets a, a, a lot of news that Rush Limbaugh comes out after him and uh, makes him look like a boob. And I think that this will probably be good for Chicago's bid well, for the Olympics. How, you know, look at how, how good it worked for Don Imus at getting him. He was going to run Don Imus out of radio. That was the well, best. Please. You'll never get Don Imus out of radio. Right. Well, that was the best publicity Don Imus could have possibly had. I mean, right. as far as he had not gotten that much press 
since what? He kicked the crack habit or whatever? Was yeah, right? Before he got off cocaine. Right. right. I thought the guy was dead. I mean, when I see pictures of Don Imus, I really am, I'm, I was almost convinced it's actually a corpse, like the Crypt Keeper or something, doing a radio like, show. Yeah, party a weekend at Bernie's. They just put something in there. That's great. Brian, it's good hearing from you, man. I'm sure great, we'll hear from you again. You great, great night, work. Dude. Yep. 800-259-9231. Oh, he'll be singing a different tune sooner or later. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's <laughs> we haven't offended him yet. Let's see. We've already uh, kind of trashed on the cops tonight. And uh, we didn't really go too he- nicely with Paula with her Bible stuff. I do think it stuff. was predicted in the Bible that you guys would do that. So yeah. that's what, okay. trash on Paula? I think Isaiah predicted it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, well, then that's all right. You're there right. you go. 800-259-9231. We continue. Uh, this one is Puke in New Hampshire on the amp line. Hey, Puke. Puke. Good evening, gentlemen. What's hey. on your mind, sir? I wanted to comment. This is mainly for Gardner since he's a uh, published author. Um, I wanted to talk about the electronic reading uh, devices that have been coming out recently. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with electronic ink at all? Oh, tell me more about that. I don't know if I know much um, about that. Well, it's, uh, I think two years ago, a few companies have brought them out, but e-ink is essentially a technology that is sort of like an LCD screen, but even in bright sunlight, it looks like paper, but it you know it changes uh, electronically. Hmm. Nice. So it's really good for making... Uh, an electronic book, and uh, Sony came out with one a couple of years ago, and then Amazon released one uh, last month. Yeah, I've seen the news items on the Amazon yeah, one, pricey. but I don't know much about it. Exactly, four hundred bucks. Deal. It's very expensive. Yeah, I, I just um, I think it's really cool uh, the idea anyway. But um, like as an author, Mr. Goldsmith, would you consider like you have any say in whether or not your book could be uh, digitally uh, available on the Kindle reader or? Well, something uh, like that, or? you know, I think it would be, uh, this is sort of akin to the idea that you could have uh, music out there that could be shifted around very easily, very liquid sort of format. I have really nothing against it. I, uh, I oppose the concept of copyright protection. I don't believe that you can have copyright protection in a, in a free society. So on principle, I think that uh, my book should be sold, and if somebody buys it, uh, we should uh, make some sort of prior or arrangement regarding whether or not it can be disseminated by that other individual over and over again or not. And uh, I think the electronic readers, I've always looked forward to those. I saw some number of years ago, and I thought, boy, this would be the future of publishing. This would be, it'd be wonderful. You could carry, you know, 100 books right. in one little cube. It would be fantastic. And you can have expanded books with commentary from the authors and videos and all sorts of things attached to it. That would be great, yeah, and, cool. and, and so on. So that's definitely where it's going to go. The question You think is, so? Because I'm not sure that I agree. Well, that's that's the thing. I, I should say, uh, Mark brings up that my, my skeptical side says, how many people are willing to shell out this amount of money and then try to go online? It allows you to bring so much more with you, uh, but I don't know whether or not people are really willing to completely give up the paper thing that they can hold in their hands. Now, there was a time when I needed several books uh, to carry. You know, when I was in high school and, and college, I needed to carry lots of books with me. But now, I if I bring one book, it's because I want to read it on an airplane. Um, that book's going to cost me, if I buy it new, going to cost me maybe $20. Um, if I get it in paperback, maybe $8. If I get it at the used bookstore, maybe $0.50. Cents. That's there's a lot of books involved in this uh, this this electronic reader at the four hundred dollar level. I, I assume it comes loaded with at least some books, probably mm-hmm. not ones that I want to read. But right. I just don't think it's, it just doesn't sound like something that's, I'm interested that's in. The problem at this point is that their selection is proprietary. Like Sony, you have to use their little iTunes like store, and Amazon, you got to use their selection. Yeah. And like their book selection um, isn't that great because you know I, I like uh, science fiction that's not terribly popular. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, like on the top 10 reading list or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's sort of like MP3s maybe back in 99 or something that maybe maybe in another uh, 10 years or less, you know, we could have uh, sort of like an open source MP3s where where maybe um, Amazon, you could buy the real book and then you could also buy an MP3. But, yeah, my problem is the DRM and, and how they just sort of, Lock it off. Well, maybe what we'll see happen, Puke, is uh, we'll see some sort of open source movement. Uh, some reader that works off of Linux and uh, was yeah, open source programmed, awesome. and, and who knows, maybe people will just start scanning in books. I mean, you never know what the marketplace is going to do with these technologies. Um, and thank you for the call. It's very smart interesting. Man. Puke is and smart, we'll certainly man. be watching it as it continues to develop. Because you're right, it did sort of come out a few years back, but nothing, nothing really happened to it. But now that Amazon's pushing a device, and I know it's sold out from what I've heard, it's backordered. So mm-hmm. people are definitely interested in this. It's just a matter of making it happen. I think it will over time. I think you're right. right yeah. Hour two's coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with Angar and Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We'll be talking about the moon here in a little bit and how Google is actually apparently tied into the the moon. moon. You know what? They might be able to pull that one off, but uh, let's go instead to the phone calls, and we'll get to the Google thing here in a moment. First, we talk to Tom in Texas. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Gard and Mark. Hey, Tom. Great show, guys. What's on your mind? Listen, I got. uh, there's two different things going on in the country right now that could absolutely end it in the next six months to two years. The country? And there's only one candidate that's talking about either one or has a solution for either one. Okay. And uh, those two main things are the national or the uh, the North American Union, and the other one is the economy. The North American Union, of course, uh, by the year 2010, is supposed to say that we're going to eliminate the borders between Canada and the United States, and the border between Mexico and the United States. Well, there's more to it than just that. Uh, from what I understand, they are talking about literally tying in all of the governments together with one another, even more so than they uh, than they currently are. More regulations, more controls. I mean, essentially, you're not really eliminating the border as much as you are just sort of expanding. Making it irrelevant. Yeah, you're just sort of expanding uh, the border out to the edges of all of those countries. And either way, it's certainly, if it's true, it's bad news. But I hadn't heard a date. Where did you get that date, 2010, from? Well, there was a meeting that was between, uh, uh, not Park, but uh, the guy up in Canada and uh, Bush and uh, Vincente Fox in 2005, and they had an agreement drawn up, and uh, that was the date that they picked, 2010. They were supposed to eliminate the Constitution, drop the borders, and also have the Amero as a currency. You know, it really wouldn't be that hard for them to do it. I mean, uh, they don't care about the Constitution today, so how hard would it really be for them to just go through with this and say, you know, uh, Constitution, we haven't really been, you know, since we haven't really been honoring it for the last 150, 200 years, uh, eh, well, you know, who cares about what that old Constitution says? Let's bring in this new currency. Look, it's shiny. It's pretty. We've got colors now, folks. Colors. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, you know all... All over the Internet, there's just proof that it exists. Uh, you know, SPP.gov has 400 pages of proof. 
uh, and that's from the, the own gov their own government website. And then uh, we have the problem with the economy uh, that the dollar is tanking. And Ron Paul, what he wants to do is he wants to shore the dollar up with gold. Yeah. And he wants to absolutely stand uh, in the in the way of the North American Union in the in in the agreement between Canada and Mexico and the United States. And wasn't it nice that Ron Paul actually was able to address a question in that YouTube CNN debate where some guy was trying to make fun of Ron Paul, saying, "You you don't actually believe in all these things, yeah, do you?" And Ron Paul said, "Fact, fact, 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 fact. I'm in Congress. Guess what's happening? Land is going to be taken by eminent domain in my home state of Texas to build this highway. Uh, they are they are trying to tear down the borders. This is." definitely what's happening and, absolutely yeah, anybody listening to this ought to, ought to take note uh the fact that they're they're saying that there is no north american union absolutely shows proof that the major media is nothing but a bunch of liars well either they're liars or they're just completely misinformed uh it's probably one or the other depending on which member of the media obviously the media is made up of individuals who all have their own motivations and beliefs but nonetheless uh good excuse to bring up Ron Paul and thanks for the call dude 800-259-9231 that's the SACL CAI toll free line you know I don't I haven't had a chance to ask Ron Paul about this but from uh yeah. from what I've seen him say he seems like the kind of guy that would support going further than just backing the dollar with gold. He seems like a free market money guy to me. Yeah, he he seems like somebody who's going to say, all right, well, we could back the dollar with gold, but really it'd make more sense to just get the government the hell out of currency I in would the agree. first place. I think that yeah. a government's, um, the, 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 the purpose of the government is to protect us from enemies, foreign and domestic. That makes perfectly good sense to me. And that does not include creating a currency. No, absolutely not. We don't, we don't need the government to create currency. Well, now, constitutally, isn't it? in there well, basically it, 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 sort of it's interesting because the federal government uh, the the federal constitution allows congress to coin money and fix the value thereof but that's not an exclusive power there were private oh. banks and and you know Murray Rothbard's written a lot about this and von Mises and that's one of the things that you you point out very well uh, even on the Tonight Show, of all things, Ron Paul was able to mention that he's an Austrian. He 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 discovered the works of. He actually mentioned Ludwig von Mises' yeah. name on, on the, the Tonight, Tonight Show. Show. Like, when's that going to happen again? Although I have to say, uh, just as an aside, remember when uh, Mick Jagger was on Saturday Night Live and he was on Wayne's World. And they did a skit, and typically the Wayne's World thing was Wayne and Garth would bring out something to some rock star, some mm -hmm. highfalutin thing that they thought the rock star would never understand. And so Wayne says, so, uh, you went to the London School of Economics, huh? So I guess that means you must be in favor of Keynesian's full employment theory, as if he wouldn't understand it. And then Mick Jagger comes back and says, well, actually, I'm a much greater fan of uh, uh, the subjective marginal utility theory of Ludwig von Mises. <laughs> and Wayne and Garth look at each other like, Shah! It was hilarious. <laughs> and it was clearly a line from Mick Jagger. He said yeah. it. You know, he came up with it. It was great. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the historically in the United States, the U.S. government competed against private banks that could hold stores of money and they could issue uh, redemptions, mm. uh, redemption slips to people. Kept them and honest. They, and, yeah, and they had a certain amount of gold on reserve. Unfortunately, the laws started to come in, and they would allow the banks to have fractional reserves so they mm -hmm. could loan out more. And then they started to make looser loans. And then after a while, uh, back in the late 1800s, William Jennings Bryan for the U.S. dollar 
uh, he didn't want to have it tied to gold anymore. He wanted to tie it to silver so that all the people who had outstanding debts, when they paid them back, they wouldn't have to really be paying back as much because they're hmm. basically making the dollar but worth do you less. See, see why the government shouldn't be involved in currency Precisely. anyway? Because they shouldn't be making these laws. They shouldn't right. be right. telling banks whether right. they can lend. Because as far as I'm concerned, um, fractional reserve lending is fine as long as everyone knows what's going on. You got it, man. You know, if a bank's going to lend out more money than it has, well, that's fine. I own a house that I don't have all the money to pay for either. Right. But I have a payment system set up. So uh, a deposit into a bank is simply a loan to that organization. Right, right. And if they want to if they want to set up a contract with you where they can, uh, you know, have more assets, they can say, look, you can't make you can't make a deposit in this amount of time. You can or right. we'll, we'll pay sure. your money back in that whatever. Absolutely. The problem with the government Absolutely. is, is it's uh, it comes in and starts setting these rules and then it's one size fits all across the board. Yeah. Everyone who wants to call themselves a bank has to play by the same set of government rules. You know, back when banks were even more heavily regulated, I think that uh, Mary Ruart mentions this oh, in her book, great. Healing Our World, oh. which you can read for free at ruart.com, R-U-W-A-R-T.com. Anyway, I think she talks about how um, bank, when banks were even more regulated, there was a time at which the only thing banks could do, I guess they were setting all the interest rates. Uh, right, the, the government level. was setting the interest yeah. rates. Right. Yeah. Um, all the banks could really do was offer freebies. As toasters. As, yeah, toasters. You can come mm-hmm. here and uh, we'll give you a free toaster if you open an account at our bank. Because right. there was nothing else that they could do to differentiate themselves from you one another. You got it. And, and people who read economic history, I mean, one of the greatest economic historians out there, Robert Higgs, has traced, and, and so has actually, so has uh, Amity Schles now in her, her new book, The forgotten man and she's more of a monetarist of milton friedman's ilk and not an austrian but she's still pretty good she's just really really good on her economics in in most cases i respect her greatly and she was talking about you know the 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 u.s government forced banks to not be able to uh broaden their their loan structure so that uh, only city banks could deal with the city city companies Hmm. and agricultural banks they couldn't be co-owned they couldn't they couldn't diversify their investments so the collapse after the uh, after the collapse of the stock market became much more widespread because of government regulations that made it impossible for these guys to ameliorate their risks. Right, and the fact is it was central banking in the first place that led to you the, got it. the Great and, uh, and, Depression. And, and just uh, quickly, Ian, I should mention, you know, this whole thing that we're seeing with the mortgage stuff, that's directly attributable to the Fed dropping the interest rates years ago based on the requests of all sorts of U.S. manufacturers because the dollar was strong back in the early 2000s. The dollar was strong. Our Productivity was high. Our dollar bought a lot. We were buying a lot of foreign goods. Well, it wasn't historically strong. Maybe strong well, in comparison was, yeah, to today. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was, yeah, I should say relatively strong compared to other currencies. But our productivity was very high. And so what was going on was we were buying a lot of foreign goods because our dollar was strong. We could buy a lot. Our whole, the whole point of a productive economy is to let you get more for your dollar. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they dropped the, the interest rate, and then everybody got these variable interest loans. And then they started to jack up the rate when they realized they were pumping the money out there and causing inflation. Now all these people can't pay back their loans. Well, now are they talking about bailing these people out they with like a five-year uh, guarantee or something yeah. where they'll lock in a rate? The government's going to step in and lock their rates and in? And they're the ones who caused the problem in the first place. 800-259-9231. On the way, we'll talk to Tom Justin. Your calls as well, ladies. You come first if you make the call. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. 
Jason Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever you like. Toll free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com. The feature's there for free, so enjoy those on us. And they include the wiki with over 1,450 pages created by listeners just like you. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. WIKI.freetalklive.com. And the New Hampshire Liberty Forum has a proud history of supporting true hard currency. At the first forum, Dr. Ron Paul called for the restoration of constitutional gold and silver. This January, Bernard von Nothaus, the monetary architect of the Liberty Dollar, will join Ron Paul at the 2008 Liberty Forum. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. And use the code 2008FTL to save 10%. That's 2008FTL, all one word, if you want to save 10%. On the Liberty Forum, I believe all of us are going to be in attendance. It's going to be great. Uh, I can't wait. You know, uh, that Bernard von Nothaus thing is going to be so terrific, and I was so upset we talked a little bit about this. And just to go back a little bit to our our previous uh, conversation just before the break, uh, a great example of of what the government does to inflate the currency and how Ron Paul is for real currency and probably mm-hmm. private issued currency is is what they did to the to the Liberty Dollar. The Liberty Dollar obviously was right. showing what the U.S. government and the Fed were doing to reduce the value every year by at least two percent of your dollar. And I said to some folks, listen, if you were in Las Vegas and somebody owed you money. You could let's say let's say um, somebody didn't have the cash on hand, but he had a twenty dollar chip. He could give you that twenty dollar chip if you would be willing to accept it, and you could go and redeem it at a casino right then for sure. twenty dollars, and you could get twenty dollars worth of stuff. Or or you could, you could hold it. You, you could, could hold it, and it like, would still be worth twenty dollars when you're done. Or you could gamble it right there. Or you could likely go into one of their shops because these casinos are like huge malls with all kinds of blinking yeah, machines. Yeah, amazing. And, and so, so you could go to one of their stores in there, and you could buy there. What, right. But but think about this. This is what I what I mean with the temporal disturbing uh, the disturbance of of the value of something. If you held on to that twenty dollar chip for a year, the twenty dollar chip would only get you what you could have gotten the year before about it's you know nineteen dollars and seventy cents mm-hmm. worth. If you held on to it for five more years, it would go down to something like eighteen dollars or seventeen dollars worth yeah, of or stuff. Or less. But if you had been given a silver a silver liberty dollar mm-hmm. as Bernard von Nuthouse was allowing, or a certificate for a silver liberty dollar, then that would still buy what you could have bought before and perhaps even more. Right. Because you would be able to see advances in productivity. And it, it shows you Bernard von Nuthaus was was uh, tearing the, the veil off of what the government was doing to our money. And they didn't like that. No. Essentially, uh, just for those that uh, don't know, the Liberty Dollar it is, was, I don't know if I should talk about it in the past tense. I mean, they're still out there. Uh, the Liberty Dollar is a real alternative private currency. I mean, we were talking in the last segment about how Ron Paul and uh, people like us want to see the government get the hell out of providing currency. Well, you might ask yourself, well, okay, then who's going to provide the currency? Well, banks and other private institutions and, you know, um, teaming up with mints and that sort of thing. The Liberty Dollar is a real-life example of what that could look like. Real silver uh, turned into actual pieces. You could actually have an ounce of silver in your pocket, but uh, also certificate style, where you have a certificate that has an actual contract written on it. That means that if you wanted to, you could take that certificate and turn it in and get real silver. 
Now, if you go back into the history of the dollar in America, there was a time at which the U.S. dollar actually said silver certificate on the top of it, and you really could go and take that money into uh, the mint, and you really could get the silver for it. Well, they they stopped all of that years and years ago. Uh, But now that uh, Bernard von Nothaus with the Liberty Dollar has been offering real hard currency... For nine years, the government finally got tired of it. Why they picked nine years to wait, I don't know. Maybe they didn't think he was a threat until now. Uh, But then they went after him, and they stole all of his silver and gold and everything. They took everything from this man. What was he doing? He wasn't harming anybody. He was offering a product in the marketplace just as anybody else does on a completely voluntary basis. It's just that, as you say, Gardner, he was tearing away the veil, uh, this veil of confusion, essentially, that the government has put over money in this country. And people were learning the truth about money in America, and they can't have that. If people learn the truth about money in America, they're going to be pretty ticked off, and they're going to want something to change. You hit it right, and if if people would only wake up and recognize that the government's not only stealing from them through taxation, stealing from their productivity through regulation, uh, stealing their property through eminent domain and all sorts of other things, but also stealing from them temporarily over time, Mm -hmm. uh, they they, they would really, really start to understand that government is their worst enemy. It, it, It doesn't protect you. It doesn't really help you. What it does is it takes your money, it takes whatever it wants, and it just depends on what the majority decides they're going to take from you. It really is the most brilliant criminal enterprise ever devised. Yeah, you know, Robert Higgs has a great piece uh, that I just received from the Von Mises Institute about how it it truly is a a massive uh, criminal enterprise that, uh, you know, takes from people without their consent. I mean, if that is not a crime, I don't know what is. 800-259-9231. Maybe you can tell us. Let's go to the phones. Bring up whatever you want. It's Tom in California. You're on Free Talk Live, Tom. Tom, California. Hey, what's on your mind? Oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about the last broadcast. Um, Mark said that he was not an atheist. But on previous broadcasts, I heard both him and you, Ian, talking about atheism together, saying oh, that, you know, that Mark was a Christian, then he realized some questions could not be answered by God, then he converted to atheists, and how he was saying no, that he would not stop bashing Christianity to this letter that, said, that asked him to stop or something. So, Mark, did you convert, or did I misunderstand you? Yeah, I think, I think you must have misunderstood. It's I, possible we miscommunicated, but I can't imagine that we would ever, uh, anyone would have ever suggested you were an atheist and you let them get away with it, Mark. Right, I, I haven't called myself an atheist since I was 18 years old. Does that answer your question, Tom? Uh, well, why are you offended by when someone calls you an atheist? He's not. I'm atheist. not offended that some, if somebody would call me an atheist, they would just be wrong. I do believe that there's a God. Oh, it sounded like you were genuinely offended, as if you know, oh my God, that would be terrible if somebody called me an atheist. Well, they would be mistaken. Oh, so you were an atheist when you were 18, and then you converted? Why? Why what? No, so you converted when you were 18 from atheist to Christian. Uh, I, he's no, not a Christian. No, I, not, not a Christian. Um, like, do you think that the only religion that there is out there is Christianity? No. So what okay. are you? I just a guy who believes that there's a God. Oh, but so just God, but no religion in particular. Not really. No. Oh, yeah, but so you go to church, Mark. I go to a Unitarian Universalist church, which uh, isn't know. that considered a religion? What Unitarians, Universalists believe is that uh, everybody, a Universalist believes everybody goes to God, um, goes to heaven. A Unitarian believes that there's Sweet. one one God rather than a triune God, mm-hmm. um, the Holy Spirit and all that. Right. But what most Unitarian churches are is just a place that people that don't want to hear about uh, Christianity go for church. Are there hymns? Yeah, but they're um, often modified. Uh, that's the thing that I like least about my church. I wish there were some of the mm. old hymns that I really like. I like to and sing Amazing Grace and Old Rugged Cross. 
And um, there's also another thing I wanted to bring up. Um, this guy made a great point <coughs> about the Pledge of Allegiance. He said um, that it wasn't under God that he was against, it was the indivisible part, which I, uh, which at first I got agree. really... Wait, no, wait, no, I'm not done yet. It's because at first I think I thought I knew what he was going to say. It was something that I've been thinking for a long time, but then he made a different point. So What's your like, point? Oh, my point was that it, indivisible cannot follow under God. Because it's, it just contradicts itself. It says only for Christians, but indivisible. So that doesn't make any sense. No, what they mean is the states are indivisible, and I don't agree with that. The states can be divisible if they so choose. They can secede from the union. They, that was the they joined. Point. They should be able to leave. Tom, thanks for the call and your clarification. And, you know, of course, my objection is the pledge itself. It was written by a socialist, and it amounts to nothing more than socialist, nationalist indoctrination. And that's not good for a free country. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. You take control. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial in via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. We've got live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. So enjoy those on us. How would you like to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet? Check out these amazing doctor recommended, this amazing doctor-recommended product. Go to ftldiscount.com and read some real testimonials. Find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. As we continue with your phone calls, let's talk to Justin in Maryland. You're on Free Talk Live. Justin, what's on your mind? Yeah, how you doing? Great. Good right. Okay, my question is regarding the domestic terrorism homegrown act. That's hard to, to really get into long-winded yeah. of the name of the law, but anyway, you probably know what it is. Yeah, we were yeah. talking about it the other day. Uh, Ron Paul had a speech uh, that he gave in regards to how they're they're going to use this new so-called uh, violent radicalization bill to basically step in and regulate the internet. That's what he's suggesting is going to happen. What were your thoughts? My thoughts are that when the government considers us their enemy, it's the beginning, it's the beginning of the end for them because the, you, people are not waking up right now, and people don't understand what's going on. You said, you said about the monetary system, but once the people start seeing that they're starting treating us like, like, like their enemy, the government doesn't see us as their, as their citizens anymore. They're starting to see us as their enemy. And when that happens, it's, there's, it's only going to lead to conflict. Well, what's the paraphrase? Was it George Washington, or I don't even know who it was. Uh, I guess it's more attributable to V from V for Vendetta than anything else. But uh, what is it when they're government? I watched that movie. I got that one. Yeah, when government fear the people, there is liberty. liberty and when the mm. people fear the government, you have tyranny. Tyranny. Yeah. It seems to me that they the, they fear us because they're passing this law. That's the reason why they're passing it because they're starting to fear us. They're starting to panic. It's an interesting point. They certainly don't know what to do about Ron Paul. I mean, that's it's befuddling to them. They can't understand it. They can't fathom uh, how it is he's getting all this support. They don't know what to do about it. Uh, I mean, the Ron Paul people are putting up a blimp within oh, the next yeah. few days. That reminds me, actually, we we just had Rand Paul on my show today, mm-hmm. and, and we were talking about it. Rand Which is, is by the way, people guy. can listen to your show at libertyconspiracy.com. Gardner yes. Goldsmith's Against the Grain. You don't right miss on. that. Absolutely right. Thanks, Ian. I really appreciate it. What do you it. think this might cause? I mean, what do you think this might, you think this might cause a, a greater conflict? I mean, there's an old saying, you close the door for peaceful revolution, 
and you open the door for violent revolution. I don't think anyone's closed that door. I, 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 I don't know if it. I agree. Um, they have made mar- marijuana's been, uh, you know, having an ounce of marijuana has been as illegal as beating somebody up and taking their wallet for decades. And uh, you don't see, I mean, and that's ludicrous and ridiculous. You don't see people rioting in the streets over it. They just take it. The American people are darn good at just Take taking it. it. And yeah. as far as I can tell, the history of man is really about um, Subservience. licking the hand that, uh, that rules. I, 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 as much as I hate the idea, I would hope that we have the, the heart of revolutionaries in this country and that we, we strive for liberty every day. But the you're evidence is whether, You're questioning whether or not we are on the cusp, Mark. You're saying that there may be a long way to go before anybody really... In, in Germany, changes. they had to gas uh, you know, a million people um, before the, you know, the German people would even now, Mark, look at it. Now, Mark, you're buying into that conspiracy theory about the yeah, Holocaust again, yeah, that they actually yeah. killed people. Come on. <laughs> It seems to me that, you know, that, all right, it's true. It's going to take a while for the people to crack. But, you know, it only, it only, takes, it only takes something really extreme to happen. I mean, something, but eventually the people will start, start kind of, you know, uh, how can I say, I hope lashing right. back. By the way, I'd like to point out, Gardner, you were being facetious. Yeah, so clearly there was, I was being facetious there. You know what I think it's, it's, it would be, uh, and, and I, I'd like to tie this in with what Mark was saying, um, uh, the people are very good at taking it in the United States, particularly if they feel comfortable. And this goes back to an axiom of Frederick Bastiat, the uh, the French economist of the 1800s. Uh, the problem is what is seen and what is not seen. Uh, what we can see are all the wonderful things that we have. What we don't see are all the wonderful things we could create if government were off our backs. And so people feel very comfortable you know, with all the wonderful things that we've been able to create so far. They're fantastic achievements. And unless those p- things are put in jeopardy due to some security problem or economic conditions, uh, particularly economic conditions, if it's an economic thing, the collapse of the dollar. Yeah, collapse of the dollar. And, and unfortunately, I think the politicians are so deft that already happened once. And look what happened: we got Roosevelt in an increase of the size of the state. People don't know enough right now, and I don't know what it's going to take. The internet will help with that. I think you're right. Uh, it's going to take a lot more education. People are waking up. That's a good thing. I'm, I'm woken up. You know. The way I see it is that, yeah, you're true. Once we lose that comfort zone, I think that's the problem. People right now don't, haven't lost their comfort. And, but when the dollar collapses and when they wake up to what this police state is about, I think when, when, when we're all dirt poor, people will start to wake up and they, it will cause conflict. Personally, I hope it doesn't get that far, but I certainly think that that would uh, spur a number of people into changing their minds and looking for another option. It I think the problem that you, you'll, you'll run into there, and I think the problem is was similar to what happened earlier in the 20th century, is that when people are looking for that leadership, they tend to look to government people, and government people tend to be corrupt scumbags, and so you know they put all their hope in the next leader, the next government person, he's going to solve this problem let's just elect this guy luckily there is ron paul for them to look Mm. to i mean i wish we didn't have this government i wish we didn't have this mentality that we all need this leader i don't need a leader you don't need a leader nope uh but unfortunately a lot of americans still have that mentality of show me the way you know and so they're going to need to have somebody to look to hopefully there will still be someone with the prominence of ron paul uh that we can point to at that time and say here listen to what this guy's saying he's saying good things Mm. Uh, but in the meantime the internet's going to do a lot to help out and i think that there's one other point you might be overlooking and that is that everything has uh and especially when it comes to ideas everything has whether you're trying to sell a product or just again trying to spread liberty as we are when it comes to ideas there's a certain point of saturation 
And once you pass that point of saturation where a certain, you know, minimal percentage of people really gets it, then more people start coming on at a much faster clip than they ever have in the that's past. That's a great point. Perhaps one could make the argument that's happening now because, I mean, the, the Ron Paul revolution, as is being called, is unprecedented in the history of the entire liberty movement. Of all the several decades that this movement has been going on, we've never once seen anything quite like this Ron Paul campaign. Is that the tip of the iceberg as far as, you know, have we crossed that point? We'll never know it when it happens. We'll only be able to look back and say, oh, yeah. It was Ron Paul, you know, um, so we don't know right now, but certainly what we are seeing is an amazing, I think, renaissance, if you will, uh, if, uh, in people in this country coming around to understanding liberty. At least at least they're hearing things that they like. And then the next step is to learn more and, you know, draw the connections and, and get it. I don't I don't think we're really that far off. And thank you for the call tonight. Right. 800-259-9231. And so once you get to that point of saturation, people start to understand then more people come on board. Eventually, it becomes popular. It becomes cool. More of the media will sort of follow that trend because the old question with the media is, well, do they set public opinion or do they mirror public opinion? I think you, I think it's probably both. both. <laughs> so you'll see more of the media shift, and you're already seeing that with people yeah. like John Stossel, obviously Free oh, yeah. Talk Live, Penn and Teller, Drew Carey Drew now Carey uh, doing reason. doing yeah. Reason Reason TV, um, and you know, I guess that's pretty much about it. But beyond that. That's that's more libertarian South media. South, South Park, Park, sure. Yep. Uh, yeah, more subtle kind of liberty-oriented media. So that's more than we've ever seen, in the, again, in the history of the movement. So I think we're really living in interesting times. And if we can keep this momentum up, then we're going to see some really cool changes. Yeah. Now, I got a question for, for you, Gardner. About, um, you'd said that uh, the dollar collapsed, and uh, that's how we got Roosevelt and um, the, the Great Depression, that whole thing. Now, I'm a little confused on the timeline of when the dollar stopped being backed by gold. Um, was it 1913 when the Federal Reserve came into place? Uh, not quite. Uh, what happened was uh, they moved to, once they started the Fed, they moved to uh, a, a, the federal government fractional fractional reserve system came along in, in great leaps. It was only marginally tied to gold at that time. Uh, they completely went off the gold. Well, first, they they started to manipulate and issue more issue more dollars and it was based fractional fractional because it was gold. fractional they only exactly. had to have a certain amount of they only had to have a, a little bit of gold to cover In all Fort Knox the, or wherever right. exactly and so that that increased the inflationary pressures we saw the stock market crash after the great crash Roosevelt screwed up the economy greatly but it wasn't until Nixon came around that we completely went off the uh, the gold standard and, and any, any sort of tie to gold in any way whatsoever okay. so that was in the 70s. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. However, they stopped issuing silver certificates in the mid-30s right. as well. So yes. you couldn't actually and trade them in for own gold. Roosevelt made it illegal in More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you like. Toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. Dan Gard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Inviting you to our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then start your shopping experience this holiday season at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Now, you know Amazon. They're the world's largest Internet retailer. 41 categories to shop in. All kinds of products. Used and new. It doesn't matter. Whatever you put in your shopping cart, Free Talk Live will get a percentage if you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And I'd like to highlight a particular item for you. Gardner Goldsmith has, uh, is also an author in his spare time. 
And so, well, actually, you're an author by trade. Do you really have spare time? I mean, you uh, you do two radio shows. Uh, you've got the podcast. You uh, yeah. you write books, articles. Two jobs, yeah. Yeah. Um, a little crazy. But he has a book that he uh, has just released within the last few weeks, and yeah. it is called Live Free or Die. Yeah, thanks. And, and you uh, should look for it. I would love it if uh, people first hearing us for, for the first time or people who have joined us for a while, if you take that step, go to Amazon through these guys. And uh, go look for Live Free or Die. And it is great to think. I mentioned it before, but uh, you can see your listing occasionally. And when my listing, my book is just behind Al Gore's book, or my book uh, <laughs> is just behind Garrison Keillor, whom I can't stand. I Do you say, like Al Gore then? Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Good point. It's consistent with both of them. I say, you know, clench your fist, freedom lovers. Get the book. And I'm not going to make that much off of each book, but put it ahead of those guys. I love it. It's it's political economics. It's history. Uh, material my dad wrote before he died is in there as well. It has the old man in the mountain of New Hampshire on the cover and an explanation of what live for your die really means. And it is a strict, strict, hardcore free market approach to liberty and uh, individual freedom. Good stuff. So that's Live Free or Die, available at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And if you're coming to the Liberty Forum, remember, Gardner's going to be there. Are you going to that book signing thing on Thursday Yeah, I can't wait. Chris and all the guys at the Liberty Forum have set it up so well. It's going to be a blast. There's going to be this uh, little shindig, I guess, right, Mark? Uh, Thursday nights... Our guy, uh, Jason from Sakel CAI, is putting the whole thing Jason on. Jason Yeah. Yeah. And, and F. Paul Wilson's going to be there. Right. If you get early, Jason might be sober. <laughs> oh, man. He's a funny dude. What a great <laughs> yes. guy. Well, that's uh, apparently uh, even uh, WWE's Kane, Glenn Jacobs, our buddy, is also going to be in attendance awesome. there. So, uh, it's going to be so much fun. And you I, can I, get I, your book signed by Gardner, and then yeah. Kane will give you a suplex or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll take the book back and uh, rip out the page and sign it to somebody else and uh, send it out. No, no seriously, he is the, one of the nicest guys, and it's a pleasure to meet him. He really is a nice guy. So uh, I think we're talking, Mark, about but being there. But he could there. put you in the hospital. I think as a result of that event, uh, that one event, we're talking about being there and doing an extra show from the Liberty Forum this year. So instead Can't of two wait. shows from the Liberty Forum, we'll be there all three nights. January January 3rd. Or 3rd through the 6th. And uh, more details on that at freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Wow, so much going on, guys. Oh, folks, I can't wait. Just one mention. I, I really hope people who listen to Free Talk Live last year, folks, and, and, and you know, I come and visit Ian and Mark. They're the guys who do this show. I come and sit in with them. And they are the most upstanding guys, really great people. And and when you go to the, the Liberty Forum in, in New Hampshire here, the Live Free or Die State, not only will you get to see my incredible book with the great cover and my handsome face, but you'll get to talk to these guys. And so many people turn out because of this show. Last year, I was blown away by all the Free Talk Live insignias that people were wearing. Great going, you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's like we sponsored the it event. It is awesome. Everybody was wearing T-shirts it's, and yeah. hoodies and the whole thing. Yeah, it was great. Well, you know what you've you got to love about libertarians and liberty-minded people is that they're so wonderful at self-organizing. They just they think they figure something out that they want to do and they don't ask anybody's permission. They just go and do it. And as an example of that at the last Liberty Forum, as you were talking about a number of our listeners were there and they just sort of put together their own listener party. I mean, we didn't think of doing something like that. That's awesome. They just decided, "Hey, let's get all the Free Talk Live listeners together at a, at this hotel room after this time and have a good time together." Yeah, and, it was uh, I showed up to it because, man, that's a cool idea. That is great. <laughs> it's great. It, was, it was a fun party, too. You, you throw a free talk live party if I'm in the area, I'll stop by. I dig so. it. Uh, 800, two foot. Then the cops pulled up in front of the place and everybody scattered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Actually, then we realized after we'd scattered that, wait a minute, 
we're hanging around liberty-minded people they who are have. running from the cops. Yeah. We need to get back together, so we all get back. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can bring up anything. Let's talk to Matt in Illinois on the amp line. Matt, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey, Gardner. How are you doing? Hey, good, Matt. What's up? Um, if, uh, that self-organizing thing, the liberty-minded people, that's why Ron Paul is doing so well. Yes, yes there is. is. That's what his son said on our show today. He said exactly the same thing. Hey, you know what? I wasn't even listening. Good for you, man. Uh, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> Great minds think alike. All right. Very good. Uh, I got a uh, little bit of a hypothetical for you, going back to the beginning of the show when you were talking about finding wallets. Yes. Now, I've uh, found wallets twice in my life. Uh, both times they had large sums of cash in it, mm. well over $100, and I've returned them. Um, one time was in a gas, gas station parking lot, and it was the gas attendant. And one time was when I was working at a uh, game room. And the guy who owned the wallet came in, and he was looking around for it, and I noticed him, and I noticed this picture, and I gave it back to him. Mm-hmm. Now, the thought occurred to me after listening to this thing about the police uh, setting up people with these wallets. Right. The police in uh, the New York subway system are leaving wallets, bags, purses around, uh, tempting people to pick them up so they can then harass them or something like that. It's very strange. Very strange story. Right. And the thought occurred to me after hearing that. And if I found a wallet and it was empty except for credit cards, it didn't have any cash in it, I might be tempted not to return it anymore, not to touch it, for fear that I would return it and somebody would think that I stole money from it. Yeah, good point. Possibly. And, and that maybe, you know, he might call the police and say, yeah, I think this guy stole my wallet, he took the money, and then he returned me my cards. Right. I mean, if a person uh, loses a wallet and there, say there was some money in it, and somehow the, uh, the, the, the authorities in New York City have made it illegal to uh, you know, not return property to an owner that they've lost through their own fault, if a person does lose a wallet, say they had 500 bucks in it, the person, somebody takes the 500 bucks out, leaves the wallet on a, um, a bench, mm-hmm. you find the wallet after it's been found by the guy who stole the money out of it, mm. you return it to the guy. The guy goes to the police and says, hey, this guy returned my wallet. My $500 wasn't in it. Now, I can understand oh his, his upset and everything, but then mm. likely you could be charged for, for not returning the money. And that's, and that's wrong. And yes, and that's what would worry me because it's, you know, personally, if I have a, a wallet and I lose a wallet and I have, I don't know, 100 bucks in there or whatever, and I lose the money, but I get the wallet back with my credit cards and things, I'm going to be thankful. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to lose the hundred bucks, but uh, I, nope. I, 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 you but know. if it happens, it's better to get the the wallet back without the hundred dollars than have to cancel all your credit cards, get, get a, a new driver's, driver's license. license. Right, but all now what the stuff. New York if police, they have your social security number in there, for God's sake. Now what the yeah. New York Police Department is doing is they're setting people up. They're putting these fake, you know, they're putting real wallets with uh, credit cards that are real cards on the the ground and on the benches and that sort of thing in the subway system. And when people are picking them up, they're either getting them right then and shaming them or something and, you know, scaring them. Uh, you, you know, you were going to return that, weren't you? And who knows what it is that they're saying. The article didn't really go into, into a lot of detail about that, but we know they've charged people with uh, alleged crimes uh, for picking these wallets up. If the police harangue you for picking up somebody's wallet and you were going to do the right thing... The next time you see a wallet, you're just going to pass it by, and you're going to leave it there. The trouble. For, you're going to leave it there for a real thief to take and steal somebody's identity. I just think it's right. an awful thing that they're doing in New York. Right. I, I that's, that that's been my line of thinking all along, or not all along, but 
after I heard that story is now why what what incentive do I have to return the wallet now, or even, my, or even to pick it up? Yeah, right. Here's my other question. It's it said in the story that if you find lost property, at least in New York, apparently, there is a legal obligation that you have to return it. Well, I'm wondering, when is that obligation created? I mean, in the crazy world of legal land, okay, we all know that nobody here has an obligation to return found property because no one has ever signed an agreement saying we would. But in the world of legal land, at what point do you have that obligation? Is it when you see the wallet? Is it when you pick the wallet up? Is it when you put the wallet in your pocket? Because if I see a wallet, pick it up accidentally, and then say, oh, wait, I could get in trouble if I take this, and uh, the cops are watching me, so I'm just going to put it back down. You know, I don't want anything to do with it. Does my obligation start when I actually pick up the wallet and bring it into my possession? Am I then, at that point, obligated to try to find the you owner? You touched it. You're the last fuzzy. one to touch it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, where does it start? It's some weird kid's game. Oh, yeah. you you looked at the wallet for too long. You have to, you have to return <laughs> to somebody. Hey, Matt, thanks for the call, dude. 800-259-9231. It's, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, can yeah. anyone answer that question? Where at, at what point does this legal obligation to return this lost property Start. At what point does that happen? It's such a fuzzy, fuzzy dynamic. It doesn't. You can find no end in that continuum anywhere. Well, there, of course well, not. One thing you can be sure of is there'll be no consistency in the enforcement of this right. law. Well, because there's no say. consistency yeah. in the enforcement of any law. It's arbitrary. Right. That was what was going to be my answer. It's arbitrary depending on which cop happens to be watching the wall at, at that time. More on the way. You can take control. Bring up anything. Still got to talk about Google and the moon. Find out what that's all about. And take your calls about anything. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. We're launching into hour number three of the program. Bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free, so enjoy those on us. We still have to talk about Google and the moon. Believe it or not, the two do go together. Uh, We will explain. But first, we continue with your phone calls. It's Cody in Minnesota. Cody, you're on Free Talk Live. How's it going? Hey, hey, what's on your mind? Um, not too much, just politics. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's what kind? Up, Cody? All politics. Sounds really exciting. Do you have anything to say? How this country is going down. Yeah, you're going down. 800-259-9231. <laughs> you can bring up anything. All right, so Google, according to the BBC, is offering a 30 million dollar prize now why well they want people to go to the moon 30 million dollars right so you can actually get paid to go to the moon it's the x prize you know the x prize x prize is first first made news a few years ago when uh, i think it was richard branson uh got the prize for getting into orbit for a very short period of time spaceship one was uh it was uh was Was it it the guy who ended up disappearing uh, no, the, the no, it was a different no. guy. That yeah, was but it was, I think it was somebody sponsored by Branson. Uh, Branson wasn't actually the guy who was up there. I don't know. Was they, were they supposed Branson's to break team. orbit? Were they supposed to get into orbit? Or were they just supposed to go up to a certain height? Anyway, they, it, was, uh, it was a nice little uh, 
mark. It was a neat contest that they had, and they offered this $10 million prize to whoever could get to this certain space flight mark. Yeah, I think they call it suborbital. That might have been yeah. what it was. Yeah. Um, so they made it, and so ever since then, the X Prize has been sort of expanding out, and they've been offering different prizes for different things. In this case, Google's offering $30 million to whomever it is that lands a robot rover on the moon. The competition to send a robot craft to the moon is being run with the XPRIZE Foundation to claim the cash. Any craft reaching the lunar surface must perform a series of tasks, such as shoot video and roam for specific distances. So you don't just have to get it there. You've got to do a few things. It's like uh, it's kind of like the little robot moon Olympics. Plant a Google flag. Yeah. Firms, <laughs> yeah. firms interested in trying for the prize have until the end of 2012 to mount their moonshot. So there's also a sense of urgency here. You've got to get this done within this period of time. and This is what you have to do to get the cash. If I was Google, I'd uh, I'd require it to be uh, to, to they, they, you'd actually have to etch the Google logo in the surface of the moon, yeah. and then we'll give you the 30 that'd be million. awesome. So that'd be a bonus from the twenty Earth. million. You get thirty for just doing whatever they require, and then if you actually get the Google logo into something, then an extra ten mm, or twenty. Great. Uh, I'm making that up. Can but, you imagine how, yeah. how, how outraged people would be if the Google logo sense. was etched on the moon? But it's not illegal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's who owns the moon? Google could go up there and put a big giant ad. In a statement <laughs> announcing the competition, Google and the XPRIZE Foundation said it had been created in a bid to stimulate research into low-cost robotic exploration of space. The top prize of $20 million will be given to the private firm that soft lands a rover on the moon, which then completes a series of objectives. These include roaming the lunar surface for at least 500 meters and gathering a specific set of images, video, and data. A prize of $5 million will be given to the second firm that manages to reach the moon with a rover that roams the surface and shoots some pictures. Google said it would give bonuses of $5 million if the rovers complete other objectives, such as traveling further on the moon, taking pictures of Apollo hardware, finding water ice, and surviving the freezing lunar night. Rovers taking part must be fitted with high-definition video and still cameras. When they say freezing night, they're not talking about New Hampshire freezing, mm-hmm. where, where you know yeah. water will, will, where your windshield will get frozen, uh, you know, iced up. They're talking about like it's Absolute so cold zero. that <laughs> the crap falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> We're confident that teams from around the world will help develop new robotic and virtual presence technology, which will dramatically reduce the cost of space exploration," said uh, the chairman of the XPRIZE Foundation. Prize will be offered until 2012. After that, a smaller sum of 15 million will be offered, and if the cash goes unclaimed, competition will end two years later. Sending a robot rover to the moon is a formidable task involving greater hurdles than the first X Prize competition. Indeed, sending any sort of craft to the moon would normally require the funding support of national or international space agencies. Well, no, that's only if the government's doing it. Silly right. BBC author. Right. See, I understand that there are a lot of problems with landing something on the moon. You can't just, you know. It doesn't seem to me like you could just shoot it from the earth and land it on the moon because it'd be broken. Um, but you know, the, but the thing is, is when you let the free market um, into play, they'll think of things that you never imagined. Absolutely. Yeah. Instead yeah. of having it just be this one solitary government entity, it must that be is, done this way. Yeah, that is only competing with another handful of government entities around the planet. That's the only reason we made it to the moon in the first place. Is and because it's run by committee. Don't forget that NASA is completely run by committee. And if you have some great groundbreaking idea, likely you'll be told uh, you'll be shuttled off and uh, you know not 
be allowed to, to work on the big stuff. Yeah, yes. politics, You'll be too dangerous. Politics and the already entrenched interests in NASA will say, no, no, we can't fund your idea. Mm-hmm. Our idea needs more funding. We've got to continue with it. And I think, uh, Ian, you made a great point. You know, if we hadn't really had that competitive marketplace between the United States and the Soviet Union, we probably wouldn't have raced as efficiently to get to the moon. Right. And, but but since then, very little's been done. No. I mean, sure, they've launched a few satellites, and but most satellite launching is now done by private agencies yeah. because the government was too slow and too bureaucratic at actually launching and blew too many satellites. of them up. Uh, yeah, and then there's all the lives that have been lost, and uh, it's just the, the NASA program has just been an absolute nightmare. Oh, it's terrible. And it's something that people chalk up when you ask people, you know, to name their favorite government program. That's one of the ones that'll come up. It's usually very difficult for people to answer that question, but that's one of the ones that people sort of have this. Uh, fantasy uh, opinion about. And isn't it interesting, too, recently, a couple years ago, there was a report about how NASA had hired performance artist, wink, wink, Laurie Anderson, who is a fairly mediocre musical talent who now calls herself a performance artist because she uses lights and things like that, and she's been associated with Peter Gabriel and stuff. But uh, if they were actually doing a really good job and NASA had lots of neat things going on, first of all, they wouldn't have to take our tax money. People would want to invest in their projects. Yes. And second of all, they wouldn't have to hire Lori Anderson to promote what they were doing because what they were doing would promote what they were doing. Exactly. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's the so X Prize has gotten plenty of uh, free press coverage for just offering You've a, got a it. few million dollars, and it's gotten all kinds of people to compete over what is relative, relatively scant in comparison to the budget of uh, one year's worth of NASA. And you mm. look at the way those guys have utilized the, that, that Spaceship One. They used old tires for the booster rocket really? for their ship. Yeah, they, they would take it up in a plane. And they would take the, they took the uh, spaceship one up in a plane, and they got it up as high as they could possibly go. And then the rockets on this thing, they they would disconnect the sort of, it would be a glider for a second. They would disconnect it from the plane. It would be gliding along, and then these booster rockets would come on and send it into this ultra supersonic speed hmm. that just shot it up out into that suborbital level. And the fuel was composed of old reconstituted. Rubber from tires. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, don't let don't tell the greenies that, dear God. Yeah. So really. number one, NASA, they blow. I mean, they just they they're terrible. They cost so much, and they don't really even do anything. They haven't uh, they haven't actually achieved any of the goals, the original goals that were set for the space station, for the space shuttle. None of it. Uh, mm. They they just they they're another government bureaucracy. If first, and, you don't succeed. Set the bar lower, you know, and yeah. increase your budget. Yeah, increase your budget, and isn't it ironic? Was it today or yesterday? They scrubbed the uh, the shuttle launch. At the same time, Good we're thing. hearing about this uh, private initiative to go to the moon. Well, again, the sh- the shuttle hasn't changed since it was invented. Yeah, I mean, we, in the marketplace, we'd have. 20 or 30 or maybe 50 or 500 new models of uh, rockets over the last several decades. But no, because it's the government. Oh, well, this shuttle's working just fine. Well, we don't need any innovation here. Right, and this shuttle essentially hasn't changed since the 70s with Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so again, I, you could just go down the list of just awfulness from NASA. Right. But what NASA can take rocket scientists and make them inefficient. The government yeah. is that powerful. They can turn them into bureaucratic boobs, the smartest minds on earth. Wasted. It is incredible what yeah. the government's power is. Yeah, well the said. government can make anything inefficient. So what's interesting about this is when we've talked about private space travel in the past on this show and trashed on NASA and talked about, well, let's just leave it up to the marketplace – that at the, at some point had invited some criticism from some of our listeners saying, well, if you just leave it to the market, no one will want to fund these things. Well, you're wrong, right. and here's the proof. 
You know, I mean, first of all, there are plenty of sci-fi geeks out there that would no doubt, and this was my this was my old argument, is that there's just enough sci-fi geeks alone that they could fund these expeditions. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, Google, they've got, I mean, $20 million, that's burning a hole in their pocket. They, that's nothing to Google. I mean, this is the same company that just bought YouTube for over a billion dollars. And so... They're just taking $20 million and saying, here, go to the moon. We'll give you this. That's and that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as what could actually happen with private space travel. We're just now seeing it. Thank goodness the government let it happen. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can get signed up for our updates at freetalklive.com. Just go and get on the list, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first. If you're on the list, go to updates.freetalklive.com to get right to the sign-up. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Uh, so, as always, you can take control of the airwaves, bring up anything. In the meantime, we go to the email box. This one's from Dennis. He says, hey, guys, as a working man in this, uh, these United States of America, I have a lot of questions to ask you. Number one, why would I ever consider opting out of Social Security? I, as a 31-year-old male, have contributed probably about $30,000. Am I supposed to just opt out of the system and lose all that money? Mark is a man in his mid-30s who has uh, stopped paying into Social Security. What's your answer? Well, um, I did happen to uh, – first off, if you've uh, paid into Social Security for 10 years, you're, you're going to get something. Really? You, yes. Even if you stop paying, they will pay you out, and when the time comes, allegedly, you know, if it's still around and all that? That's what they're telling me in the little piece of paper that uh, tell, tells me how much they've stolen from me so far. Um, they say that, you know, this is what I'm eligible for when I reach 65, 62, 67, 70. Um, and that's, that number's based it's out... It's like $1,100 when I get to 70, which should be enough to, now, at the very least, buy a 50-pound bag of dog food. Wait, is that projected <laughs> if you continue contributing until then? No, or is it's not that projected. It's based what, on what you put in. But based on what I've put in at this point. Okay. If you've, it, my understanding... I am not a lawyer. I am not a Social Security expert. My understanding, having read the government's bureaucrats' paperwork, is that um, if you've contributed for 10 years, then you'll get something at the end of it all. I don't contribute now. I don't care whether I get anything out of it. But um, it's likely it's, – it's throwing to me, it's throwing good money after bad. What do you mean? Well, because if, you, if, if I st- continue to pay into Social Security because I've paid in for X amount of years – you know, maybe if I was 50, that might be what I was thinking about. But I just, you know, I, for one, I don't want to to uh, continue their little Ponzi scheme. I don't want to give them any more money. Right. That's a bad, it's a bad investment. And I'd rather take my money and put it in something else. And it's also my understanding that if that uh, I've contributed long enough, 10 years, just 10 years, by the way. <laughs> um, when I stopped, I just, it was just 10 years. I didn't know that was the way it was. Huh, but okay. That um, I'm going to get money anyway. It's mm-hmm. not going to be much, mm-hmm. but some. So... If it turned out, Mark, that you were wrong, and by stopping contributing contributing to Social Security, that they don't pay you anything when time is, you know, when the time comes, would do you, would you regret it? No, I, I wouldn't. I like the flexibility that I have in investing how much I want, in what I want, when I want. Suppose one month I need that fifteen percent extra for some uh, expense or another. Well, then I've got it. I don't have to contribute every single month. 
um, you know, and then expect to get a one percent return. That's mm-hmm. what Social Security uh, on average is one percent return. Right. Look, you could put it in a saving account, and that's for chumps. One percent won't even won't even come close to matching inflation. So Social Security is a scam all the way around. If I ran a Social Security operation, even without the force aspect that they use mm-hmm. without um, requiring everyone to do it. But if I ran it the same way that they run it, they'd put me in jail. It's, it's, true. A, it's against the law. It's called a Ponzi scheme. Yep. It's a scam. Mm. I mean, just Google scam Ponzi, Ponzi scheme. Yeah. and then you'll see that's exactly what Social Security is. Right. It's an amazing story if you actually read the Ponzi story. Uh, but he he's concerned because he's already put all this money in. And if it is true that you get it back, that they cut you the check anyway, Mark, well, then that's great news and all the more reason to, to opt out. But if it's true that, that you don't get any of it back, that if you stop paying in, that they you know withhold and they say, you know what, you didn't pay all the way through the end, so you're not getting it, uh, then I still say it's worth it to take your money out simply because, as you say, you get all 15% at that particular point or you get to save all of the money that – and you get to do with your money what you please and choose the investments for yourself and for your future. And if you think that the government can do better than you at investing, then you're listening to the wrong show because it's just not true. Uh, so there's really no reason to not pull out of Social Security. Really, there's no reason. The only reason that Social Security makes any sense whatsoever, and it does make a little bit of sense, is that some people out there are not going to contribute, uh, are not going to put money away for their retirement. They're just not going to do it. So the idea is that everybody has they to... they know s- governments, they're doing it for them. Everybody has to take a 15% cut in pay so that the government can, well, essentially borrow your money interest-free mm-hmm. um, and or 1% <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, have your money for free because some people out there will not save for their retirement. And, mm-hmm. you know, people so are living longer and longer. So it, it doesn't, it, you know, I don't know what the solution is to people that won't put money away for themselves. But I know that I can tell you what the solution is. The solution is to let the marketplace work, uh, to get the government out of this so-called safety net business. There would still be charities it, and and private organizations that would take care of the real needy. But let me tell you, I mean, if you're, can you imagine, Mark, growing up in a family where your parents were those people, where your parents they never put anything away for themselves. And as they got into older age, they, you know, they, their lifestyle was, was suffering because they didn't have that, uh, that money socked away. And you, of course, were seeing all of this happen as a young person. Don't you think that would do something to you? Would yeah. you tell yourself, you know, I really want to be like mom and dad when I grow up? Or would you make a, would you make a firm commitment to, in your life, make a change and actually put some money away? Well, I, I, see, I can see why you would think that that would happen to some people. But I can tell you that the, the fact is that uh, most people learn the uh, financial habits of their parents, unfortunately. Well, the, the thing about it, the, the way I see it, is that the marketplace is not, is not going to be perfect. But it is much better than the government and the marketplace does not do what the government does, which is shield people from learning from their mistakes. And this goes right to the mortgage right. or idea learning from, from other people's week. mistakes. Or from others. Precisely right, Mark. I, I was mentioning on my program on Friday or Thursday when the, when the Bush administration pulled this ridiculous idea about getting the government involved with freezing rates for the lowest tier of the mortgage people. I said, look, you know, the problem is that the more often government gets involved in this, the less often you have opportunities to learn. The only way that people can do better in their lives is if they learn from mistakes and successes. They have to be able to learn from both. And I ran to a cab driver one time in, in Washington, D.C., from like Nigeria, and he said, I just wish they'd give us the freedom to fail. Let us have the freedom to fail. Yep. 
and you got to have it. And and this is just the kind of thing back in the 1800s. And just to approach that uh, private charity thing, there's a book by Marvin Alasky called The Tragedy of American Compassion, and he describes all of the private organizations that used to exist before the government got so involved in it. Mutual aid society. Yeah, mutual aid. Yeah, the Odd Fellows, the Rotary, the Lions Club, the Elks. All those organizations formed because neighbors saw, hey, you know, Bill had a fire in his place and. You know, everybody pitched in. Maybe it'd be good if we all voluntarily put some money into a pot, right. and if something bad happened. Now they got they got recognition from their neighbor, and when they got that help, in their neighbor's eyes, they wanted to do good. Now you get some bureaucrat who's there for six months behind some office window. You go and get a check. No and obligation, you go and take right? Off. Yeah. And they're they're you're entitled. Uh, the, the people that go for these yeah, are entitled right, to that right. uh, that help. It's not help if you're entitled to it, well, and, I th- and it's not help if I'm forced to give it to you. That's but, not help. It's that entitlement mentality, Mark, that I think is a major factor in what you said earlier about how many people learn the savings habits of their parents. If you live in a welfare family, your parents, in many cases, teach you that, you know, this working is how for you suckers, get checks. and you can make money just by filling out these government forms, whereas if it weren't that way, then there'd be some different incentives going on. More coming up. You take control. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and this is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. Vanguard and Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are for free. So enjoy those on us, and they include the bulletin board system, over 300,000 posts, lots to talk about serious issues and fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. Sound money is under attack. The Liberty Dollar offices were raided by the FBI and the Secret Service on November the 14th, 2007, and all of its precious metals, computers, and records were seized. Your help is urgently needed. Go to libertydollar.org and sign up for their updates and register for the class action lawsuit today. Don't let the government steal your money and destroy the Liberty Dollar. 800-259-9231. So to jump back to uh, the point I was making before we went away, because I wanted to just flesh it out a little bit. We're talking about uh, government safety net, These, this idea that, well, go ahead, be irresponsible. It doesn't matter because government will take care of you in your old age, right? That's what a lot of people think. Um, in many cases, it's go ahead, be irresponsible right now. Government. That's what they're incentivized to think, yeah. Right. And so we're talking about how if we just let the marketplace work – then the correct incentives are in place for people to be more responsible. When government has that safety net there, and it's just cutting checks to people, then, you know, go ahead. Take your whole paycheck and spend it on beer yeah. and, you know, whatever Cigarettes else. And- Who cares? Government will cut you a check if you fall in, uh, onto hard times. Uh, and, you know, the fact is, when, as you were saying, when government uh, cuts a check, you don't know that person. It's just some faceless bureaucrat. It gets mailed to you, whereas if it were a private charity... That you know that their whole mission were to take care of the the, the people that are uh, that are in trouble, uh, that you know to, to keep an eye on them. 
they would be checking in. They would be stopping by every week or every other week to see, you know, have you gone out to try to get a job? What is your financial situation? Let's take a look at your spending habits. Let's see what you're eating. Let's see what you're, you know, you're spending money on. Let's look at your bank account. These are, these are organizations that would take those extra steps because mm. they would care about the people that they were dealing with. They absolutely do it. If you look at the Salvation Army, the Salvation Army will provide people with a place to sleep. Mm-hmm. And... If within a certain amount of time, I think it's two weeks or a month, depending, it probably depends on which location and that kind of thing. If they haven't gone to their how to get a home class, mm-hmm. um, then they, they they'll they'll start charging them to stay there. Sure. Look, if you don't want to take steps to to not be homeless and follow our formula while you sleep under our roof, you can't stay here for free anymore. Right. You know, there was an interesting study that was done, and, and, and Olasky has it in that book, The Tragedy of American Compassion, um, where the, even in New York City, they went by four-block, square-block areas for these private organizations that started things up. Salvation Army was one of the one of the big successes. And uh, even in these very large metropolitan areas, because people often use the argument, oh, well, things are different today than the agrarian society that we had in the past, and people live much more spread out or concentrated, or, you know, they use any argument they can. Mm-hmm. So he, he brought up examples. He said, look, you know, in the small towns, people knew each other. They would pool their resources voluntarily if they wanted to. And after somebody got helped, you know, they would remember it, and they'd go and they'd say, Hey, you know, I really appreciated that. And, of course, they, they absolutely have to respond. do. That's the reason that I donate to the Salvation Army today. Good for you. Because when I was in prison, year after year, and I was in prison for uh, eight years and seven months, yeah. that means the Salvation, you know, um, there there I was at Christmas time, separated from my family, uh, surrounded by a bunch of people I didn't know and didn't like. Yeah. And believe me, if you'd met them, you wouldn't like them either. <laughs> And I'd get so this, you were in Congress. Is I'd that get right? a candy. I'd get a candy cane, uh, a, a, a pair of underwear, and two pairs of socks from the Salvation Army, and it's wow. the reason I donate from them for now. That's good. amazing. Good man. Yeah, yeah, another great. another example of that is uh, what goes on right here in our very own New Hampshire, the Free State Project. If you're new to the show, you don't know that we're uh, Mark and I are Free State Project members. We've moved to New Hampshire as part of this um, great movement of liberty-loving activists to move to New Hampshire and get active for liberty there. That's what the point of the project is, and you'll hear more about it over time. Mm. Uh, but one of the cool things here is that you're asking people to move from their lives. You're asking them to uproot themselves, their family, their jobs, uh, You know, if they own a business, their business. Take all of that stuff and move it to a completely new place. And that can be kind of tough for people. It's a, big requ- it's a big request. Right, because most of them aren't coming to family in New Hampshire or an already existing network of friends in New Hampshire. But you are. See, because the Free State Project members that are here are essentially your, you know, your waiting, your new family, if you will, your new friends. They're there, they're waiting, they want to meet you, they're excited about you coming here. So when you move as part of the Free State Project, if you want, all you have to do is go uh, go to freestateproject.org, their forum, or nhfree.com, their forum, and post a message there saying, okay, here's where we're coming, and here's where we're going to, and here's when we're going to be there. That's when This is when the truck's going to be there with us. And then They'll you be will there be blown away. Mm-hmm. Twenty people will show up at your house, maybe more. We went to um, Bill and Kate when they moved in. Some of our listeners mm-hmm. moved into New Hampshire. There was 30 people at that. I mean, there was a, it was a party and a move-in. I drove, like, an, I think, an hour and a half to get there to help them move. Well, right. When, move when we got there, Julia and I were like 15 minutes late or something. The truck was already unloaded. Yeah. I mean, there were so many people there that they, the whole truck was completely unloaded, and we didn't have anything to do except hang out and eat their food, which was fine. They didn't mind. Uh, but nonetheless, it's, it's the great. fact is when somebody moves, uh, helps you move into your house, 
you immediately think, man, next person that comes into my area, I'm going to be right there and I'm going to help them move into their house. And it's that same mentality of if somebody helps you, you want to help them back. Uh, and that's what's engendered. That mentality and that mindset is engendered when you let the marketplace offer, um, operate correctly. And people in the marketplace are actually helping each other instead of this, again, this government program that's just cutting out checks. So I'd love to hear from you on this at 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. It's April in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hey, April. Hey, I think that, you know, what you're talking about, um, you know, the people moving to New Hampshire, I, I think that that's great about how you're helping each other. And, you know, I, I, I really, uh, I think that's a great deal. Actually, I think there's probably more liver-to-be-loving people here in Montana than there are in New Hampshire. There but, may very well be. It's a but, great uh, state. This is my question, and I, and I really want to understand this. Sure. But it just seems to me like the free market, taken to the extent that you want it, that you talk about taking it, would really just crush the small person. And, and let me let me give you my example. Okay, I work in this. I work in a department store, and I see every single thing that comes into this department store. And this is a very high end. It's like Gottschalk's or Macy's department store. Every single thing that comes in there is made in Cambodia or China or Sri Lanka or Swaziland mm-hmm. or someplace where we know that they're paying this person maybe three cents an hour to work, if if even that. Now. Okay, so that's maybe a living wage where that person where that person works. That's beside the point. Okay. My point is, in what you want to talk about, you would do away with the minimum wage. I mean, if what would stop, what would prevent these large companies who employ people like myself to just reduce the? I mean, just pay me a dollar a day. What what would what would why why would it? Um, you know, if everybody was doing that, if all these big companies, you know, all these big corporations decided to just to hell with the minimum wage. And sure, just, it's a valid concern. It certainly is. And I'd love to have Gardner field this one because I know Mark yeah. and I have hit, April, certainly it's done a, it before. It's a really good question, and I think your your mind is working uh, logically and ending at a certain spot where, uh, given some historical examples or a little bit of more economic analysis, you may end up agreeing with us. We'll see. Uh, the first point uh, about the foreigners being explore, exploited, uh, historically, I just wanted to let you know that what happens is those are people who, in most cases, the majority of the cases, despite what people think, freely go to these places to get work. And if the business people didn't have the capability to be able to save some money by turning to these foreign people, they wouldn't be bringing the jobs there at all. So these people are relatively better off. I'll give you an example. There was a Nike plant that was going to go into Singapore, and some documentary filmmakers were going to go there because they thought, oh, Nike's going to exploit these people and so on and so forth, and they're going to be terrible working conditions and so on. Nike has to compete against other potential employers in that area. So they can't go below a certain level because the other employers... I I understand that, and I understand that maybe a dollar a day in China is a living wage. I don't really care about the Chinese, to be honest. I understand, and and the fact that you understand that will help you understand where Gardner's going to go next. We'll hold you over, bring you back, more with April and Gardner. Uh, We'll talk about the free marketplace and the scary scenario that, well, what if... These evil corporations just keep slashing people's pay, right? What would happen? Well, let's find out in moments. It's Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. We only have a few moments remaining, but just enough time for your call. If you make it now at 800-259-9231, it is Ian here with you. And Gar. And Mark. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show, you want to help get Free Talk Live on more radio stations across the country, help expose new people to the message of freedom and liberty, then go to amp.freetalklive.com and become a Free Talk Live amplifier. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in three bucks a month, we give you some perks, like access to the AMP-only call-in line, AMP-only chat room and forum. But the main reason to do it is to, again, help spread Free Talk Live, get us on more stations. Uh, it's it's working, so we appreciate everybody who's amping so far, but we could use your help, amp.freetalklive.com. But it's not mandatory. All the features on the website are for free, so it doesn't matter if you amp or not. You'll still get the stuff for free on freetalklive.com. It's just something nice to do. Uh, that's amp.freetalklive.com. And the new Zero Blaster shoots smoke rings up to 12 feet with a blue LED light to light them up. You can get the Zero Blaster, a Mega Blaster, or Mini Blaster. Get your blaster at zerotoys.com. That's zerotoys.com. And we go back to April in Montana listening on KGEZ. Now, April, you've got a uh, what I would say is a relatively common concern that is usually voiced when we're talking about the minimum wage, which uh, you just happen to call in out of the blue with this issue, but it's an issue a lot of people are concerned with. And the idea is that, you know, if we get rid of the minimum wage, what about those evil corporations? You yourself work for a big clothing chain, for uh, for instance, or a, a department store, rather, and uh, you're concerned that if the government's minimum wage protectionism uh, is, is gotten rid of, that the corporations will just start slashing, uh, slashing the amounts that they pay you until you're down to around third world levels as far as, you know, making a quarter an hour or something like that. So that is that basically what your concern is? Well, yeah, I mean, I can see what's happening right now. For an example, if I want to buy a sweater in the store where I work, um, the sweater would cost, on average, uh, a midline sweater would cost $40. Okay. That's almost an entire day's, that's an entire day's wages for me. Mm-hmm. Yet I know that that sweater probably, I mean, some of the quality of the stuff, it's like, you can tell it probably took some Chinese woman 10 minutes to make. Sure. So my point is, I would ha- I'm going to have to work I'm going to have to expect a whole eight hours worth of time to buy something that I know another person in another country only spent 15 minutes making, and the middleman, who is the either the clothing manufacturer and the department store, are making this huge amount of money on both of us. Okay. Well, well also the, 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 the like, people that so transported already it. Already we're getting jacked over. But, but here's the thing. Uh, I've got to give you some cold truisms of economics. That person is competing with other people trying to sell sweaters. So if you don't like the price, you don't have to buy the sweater, and these people are going to find that, strangely enough, if they're not catering to the consumer, the consumer is not going to give them as much demand. Somebody's buying those sweaters. Somebody's going to buy the sweaters, but they're only going to make a decision based on their preferences. Everything is based on consumer demand. The more productive the employee can be, the more valuable he is to the employer, the more the employee can make, because he can produce more for the amount of effort that is going into it. That's why we invent machines. That's why we have all sorts of division of labor. So what happens right, is... If I wanted to buy something manufactured in the United States, clothing, it's virtually impossible. Right, but here's the deal. The reason it's so popular for foreign products, for you to, for people to buy foreign products, is that people can save money by buying something that is less expensive, produced a little bit more efficiently, perhaps by lower wage labor. It leaves money left in your pocket. With that extra money, 
you can buy other things, which helps employment in the United States and elsewhere, where it's not a zero-sum game here. What's happened in the construction industry down in California? When I graduated from high school, people were paying, that was in the 80s, they were paying guys, you know, $10, $15 an hour to work in construction. Now you can't, I mean, now they're paying these illegal aliens $5 an hour in 20 years later. I mean, you can't even have a living wage to do construction now. So basically, How are they living? all that they've, you know, all, what's happening is now these contractors are making more money than ever. Well, the the, the businesses um, make more money, but also the the uh, they're making money, and, and they're probably making more money. But also the price of producing a house, um, you know, among wages that people earn, has gone down. In the same way that it's cheaper now to buy some some of the plastic crap that they have at Walmart, it's cheaper than it was ten or fifteen years ago in the early eighties to buy the same so, thing. I remember my dad buying a pickup truck back in the 70s for about $3,000, a brand-new pickup uh, truck. You see, and, April. you know, at the time, right. his this wages... Is, I can understand you know, why charging. this is confusing, and there are a lot of different economic factors in play here. And everything that both Gardner and Mark have said is accurate, but the, uh, the fact about the pickup truck, for instance, the major factor there is inflation. I mean, the number one reason why your pickup, tricks, uh, tr- pickup trucks have gone from $3,000 to $30,000... Right is because the U.S. government, the same organization that's supposed to be out there protecting you, is printing new money, inflating the money supply, and driving the prices of everything up. I understand fiat currency, but what I don't understand is it's taking us more hours to work to earn a vehicle than it did back in the 70s. But, well, I'll tell you what th- that is, is it's, it, that in particular in the auto industry, the tariffs have been set up um, originally by American auto manufacturers in order to keep you know autos in America. Well, if you, have, if you build your auto by, uh, if you build any product and you build it by Americans, it's going to cost you ten times as much because you've got these union wages, you have people with a, a you know, you have the richest people in the world How building your product. How haven't come up? How come wages haven't come up with inflation? It's because, because the you have the richest people in the world building your product. That's why. If we d- took down the tariffs and allowed the um, cars to be built in China, then that pickup truck that you'd be buying now would be significantly cheaper. you didn't answer her question. You didn't answer her question. Well, she asked why wages haven't been going up with inflation. Well, one, they have, but much slower than inflation. It, it Wages w- lag way behind inflation because the government can just inflate, 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 and then it's up to the business owner to decide when to give their employees raises. They don't really know how much the government is inflating. And the fact is, the government continues to inflate at a rate that we can't even really calculate very accurately. The government claims it's 3%. It's probably more like 10%, which is also the answer to your question of why you have to work more hours to buy the same product. That's because American standard of living is dropping as inflation continues to happen. See, inflation continues to outpace, uh, again, the wages that you get at your jobs so therefore, you really are making less and less, even though it seems to be the same amount or slightly more every year. You're actually functionally making less every single year because of the government's monetary policy. So it's the government that's putting us all behind the ball here, April. And so when you okay, look, well, I to- have one last question. Okay. Gold has not 
inflated according to the way that it should have inflated compared to the rest of well, things. The plunge protection team is uh, very busy in, I think it's New York or wherever it is they're located. Uh, basically, there's this government sort of functionary group that they, their job is to prevent the, uh, the, pl- the stock market from taking a plunge. So they go in and they buy things up and they, they, me- they essentially meddle with the marketplace. Uh, Wayne would be better to answer that question. And gold's than- at the highest it's ever been, April. Right, and yeah, but I mean, if it had uh, appreciated substantially the same amount, like, like say in the last that everything else has, the cost of gold had increased, say, the same amount the cost of a vehicle has over the past. It has years, actually, it April. If you look at it, more like twenty thousand dollars an ounce. Well, well don't take gold at its high in the ni- in nineteen eighty when um, when it was a, this huge boom and everybody was buying it and demand was high. What you need to do is look at gold over um, you know over the the period of time that we've had a. a money that was printed by the government and look at it from 1913 on and you'll absolutely see that um, it is it, true gold has pretty much stayed uh you know the same in rome you could buy for an ounce of gold and a fine uh, set of suits in 1900 you could buy for an ounce of gold a fine set of suits and now um for you know for an ounce of gold you'll get a fine it's true suit uh, a vehicle or any item today in the marketplace will essentially cost you the same amount in gold today as it would have 20 or 50 or 100 years ago. You can it certainly find area, t- times. You can pick points in time where that is wrong. But generally, it's a, it is and, a true statement. And if I could just make a point, April, to go back, uh, uh, just remember, if you, if, if you want to just keep in mind these axioms and work on these, uh, the entire idea for us is to get more for our labor, not less for our labor. And as employees, you can get more you can get more money when you can produce more for your labor and sell more to people. That's called increased productivity. When you can increase productivity, you get more. Or if companies can decrease the price of their labor, the companies are actually getting more product put out for less expense. The more product they can put out, the more it gives the ability of those low-priced laborers to be able to start earning more. That's where they, all people who, even in third-world countries, they have to start at a certain fairly low level. And I'll just give you a great historical example. The people in the Industrial Revolution, we're always, we always heard that the Industrial Revolution was so bad and people were exploited and it was so terrible. Uh, what happened was, if you look at it, people flocked from the countryside into the cities where the Industrial Re- Revolution was happening. The per capita death rate decreased dramatically. Ludwig von Mises has written about it. And people became more productive. You want to get more for your money, more for your efforts, not less. Right, and working conditions improve because of competition, not because exactly. of government regulations, which is why your wages will stay good even without a minimum wage. And I, if we didn't answer any of uh, some of your questions, I know there were a lot of them, don't hesitate to call us back because we are out of time for tonight. It has been Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. It's an important topic. More tomorrow night. FreeTalkLive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.